2: Welcome to episode 14 of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today, my guest is a really cool guest. He's a fellow Welshman like me. His name is Ronnie Huxford, and he plays drums in the band Those Damn Crows. I don't really know Ronnie that well, despite us living quite close to each other. But after speaking to him today, it feels like we've been mates for years and years and years. So, um, I think you'll really enjoy this one, as it probably just sounds like two mates chatting. We had a great conversation overall. I learned a lot about Ronnie that I didn't know. Um, one of the most interesting things was that his dad was a drummer, which I didn't know at all. And when he started playing drums when he was a teenager, he didn't get the support that you'd expect from a father who was also a musician. Um, yeah, so he goes into detail about that in the interview. We learn about the formation of Those Damn Crows. We learn a little bit about his other bands. um, Also, how Those Damn Crows managed to get in the top 40 in the UK album charts. They did really well. So listen to find out about that. And yeah, loads of stuff, really. We talk about our love of pro wrestling. Um, yeah, so just a little warning. This is quite a long episode. I was thinking about splitting it up into two, but I decided to go with the one full conversation instead of doing that. So you know don't be afraid to take a few little breaks, dip in and out. Um I do the same if I was listening, so it was all cool. If anyone else would like to join my Patreon page, you can get access to exclusive bonus episodes every month. I also do a video call with everyone or whoever wants to turn up on the day. And there's loads of cool giveaways. I've recently te- teamed up with the guys at Motorhead Beer. And they are offering everyone 20% off their website, as well as doing a monthly giveaway of goodies and beer. So that's really cool. Um, there's loads of other cool stuff, depending on which tier. The first tier starts at £3 a month. So go check it out. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my top tier patrons. They're the Groove Masters. So really appreciate you guys. You really help me out. And I really enjoy talking to you when we have our conversations online so I'm going to read these out now because there's again quite a few of you which is awesome so thank you very much I'm going to read read them out there's a few new ones so we've got big thank you to Charlie Farley, Dean S. Monahan, Rudy Pauley, Dan Hurst, Gareth Richards, Lee Kendrick or Kenny Kendrick, Steve Hancock, Paul W. Grashmere, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name I'm so sorry but hi Paul welcome and Yari Again, I don't know how to pronounce your surname. Ra- Yari from Finland. Yari Visanen? That's probably completely wrong. But thanks, guys. You're all legends. Cheers. You can also check out my official website, which is really new. It's www.drumforthesong.com. On there, you can find out more information about the previous episodes and why I try and make this podcast for you. And there's also a new merch button. So you can check out my new merch page. We've got t-shirts, hoodies. We've got exclusive drum for the song, drumsticks. We've got bottle opener fridge magnets. We've got patches for your jacket. And yeah, that's pretty much it, I think. But yeah, check it out. Um, it really helps me keep this podcast going. It takes me a lot of time to put these episodes together and edit them together. So any support financially is really welcome. So yeah, let's just get to the episode with Ronnie Huxford from Those Damn Crows. Drum for the Song Podcast. Hey, hey, guys, this is Dane from Drum for the Song. Today, I'm really lucky. I've got Ronnie Huxford from the fantastic band Those Damn Crows. How's it going, Ronnie? It's great, man. It's I. I busting to come on us, absolutely brilliant but no no new for years but you're
0: doing a splendid job it's great some amazing interviews like um it's, it's well it, i've
2: already subscribed and it's it's part of my kind of routine now as well oh amazing thanks so much it means a lot and um yeah i'm trying my hardest and likewise with you we'll talk about your crow cast later on um it's been really kind of good doing it alongside you guys i guess it's a little bit different as you do the live stream but um yeah it's it's kind of cool and just weird times Dane and I mean yeah. you know it's just cool to kind of see yourself
0: and others going down this path like you know and especially like some of the contacts that you've got or some of the contacts that we've had and it's nice to sit down and have those conversations like you know and what I found with your podcast as well, which is cool, is like, you know, you get the the knowledge of the drums and, and everything like that. But you also kind of get the cool stories and, and, and the tangent, which that's why I love about podcasts or so yeah, massive yeah. fan of podcasts anyway, like,
2: you know. Yeah, same. And that's that's mainly why I started it. I was kind of a few years ago. I found myself instead of listening to music all the time, I was just listening to podcasts instead, apart from yeah. like at the gym and when I was running and stuff, I was just kind of if I was driving podcasts, working podcast, cooking podcast. And I was like, I wonder if I could do this. And um, at the time I was kind of busy touring. And like, technically I didn't know how the hell to go about doing it. Um, I didn't even think about Zoom. I didn't probably didn't even know what Zoom was. (laughs) Like obviously a year of Skype (laughs) and stuff like that. It was before, I guess it it became a thing. And um, yeah. And then obviously the COVID thing happened and I was like, well, busiest year Ever for the band, probably cancelled or in jeopardy or in yeah. doubt. So I'm like, well, what could I do? And I thought, well, this is the best time to really start it. You now I've got this extra time on my hands. And um, yeah, I just look, you know, I started with a really basic setup. I, I literally bought a cheap USB mic from Amazon, one of them kind of random brands. And I actually listened back the other day, it sounded pretty good. Um Considering and I spent loads yeah. of money since on this and interface and all that, which is supposedly make, meant to make it sound more professional, but it wasn't that much difference. But um, yeah. But anyway, and yeah, I just kind of, I'm kind of taking it slowly. I, like I haven't like you, like you guys do every, something every week. I didn't want to put that pressure on myself really, yeah, because I didn't want it to become like a a chore. I wanted to enjoy it, and I yeah. I just saw because I'm doing it all myself and all the organization and stuff. And I'm like, I am working as well. I've got another job, which I've mentioned before. And, um, I thought if I did it every week, I, I just caused stress rather than be fun. So that's why I'm kind of like, I'm aiming to do two a month. And then I I took a little break over Christmas time. And, um, I'm going to get back on it now. Well, this month. Yeah, Well, that's,
0: that's a sensible way to do it. I mean, you are right. I mean, the weekly, it is It's like a job um that's the only way I can explain it, explain it to everyone i mean i'm i'm really lucky at the moment obviously like shane shane's in the same boat as me so we we kind of drive it together but yeah all the editing or the promoting or when you finish your next episode you you're loading up ready for your next you, you know the next one to come um or you're scheduling guests now which like what we're doing right into uh march already wow. march yeah. Now, yeah man so it's, it's become Literally the new tour, the new gig. Um uh and it's just something exactly the same as you, massive fan of it. Um, always used to listen to it on the road, uh, as in like Joe Rogan or um my wrestling podcasts or uh Chris Shiffler or um just anything. There's so many out there. Um, I just always found that if I had a pocket of space or I just wanted to drift away, it's kind of nice to put the headphones in and just hear somebody kind of speaking like you know Mm. um rather than music all the time you know what it's like dude especially if you've been working in a studio all day um or if you're out on the road and you're doing a gig um it's just nice to just kind of kick back and and just listen to somebody else like you know so um something we've always wanted to do is just covid kind of opened that window the same as you and similar paths of starting with raw gear yeah no clue on what to do and then slowly kind of Bringing it to where it is today. I mean, even with the like, you know, the the, the studio the way it is now. Um, I have a shot at the beginning of March, 2020, when we started the crowcast. This room was like all red, um, like literally like uh, Iron Man busts on the wall, and huh. it was still like my electric drums in the corner, and it was like my my kids and my missus were kind of like look you know you should be spending more time on this you should be looking into this more and then they would put me onto like youtube and stuff so um i'm starting to research youtubers and looking at like what they got and then obviously you know the score you go down the um the rabbit hole of instagram drummers and stuff mm-hmm. and and then mm-hmm. I, I find myself then kind of sorting the acoustics out in the room um and then Works. starting to bring a real kit in here and like where i am now um behind this camera there's a a curtain like kind of like rockfield or studios that we've gone to where the curtain can open or close and then there's another part of the room then with the other curtains so i kind of yeah i've created dividers um just to kind of i don't know man it's just covid dude you you find yourself like learning new stuff so i was kind of setting the basis for if we ever move and I have an outdoor building or something, I kind of want to do it right or learn about the acoustics. Or um, So I found most of this journey over the last, like, year has been speaking to people we've worked with, like your your Chris Clancy's um, or even Shiner in the band and just speaking about soundproofing or speaking about microphones and, and just getting all the nerdy stuff out there. Me and you as drummers don't normally do that, like, do you know what I mean?
2: So yeah, your brother
0: I, would. He loves all that. Yeah, my brother's
2: well into it. Um, <laughs> like it's it's never ending and like i i see it as like for someone like him who runs a studio it is like an addiction because there's always that thing you can upgrade you can always upgrade this yep. or improve this it's never ending and i'm so glad i'm not really into it myself because i kind of got that kind of personality i think that i kind of chilled out a bit now but like i always wanted to upgrade like back and mm-hmm. like i always used to upgrade my drum kit or get better symbols get and like I can just imagine it's never ending with studio gear because you have microphones that cost like ten grand and stuff. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And and where do you? Dane, where 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 does it end? I got I got um. So this little
0: setup I've had for now for about oh god it must be going on eight years. This studio setup in the in the corner by you. It looks um, good. Um, it's 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 superb and it works. It's perfect. So I have got two interfaces, but there which prior to this like i don't know maybe about a year and a half ago i couldn't have told you how they were rigged up um yet again it was because because we know people they'll come over the house and help me get it all set up and i knew it it kind of fed to the electric drum kit in the corner and then i could just demo so whether you know same as you if you want to put a guitar down or if you want to put some drums down i worked out pro tools so i started that kind of foundation about seven or eight years ago Hmm. Um, but never got to a level of like y- y- your brother or beyond that, because it didn't interest me same as you. I was very much like, I just want to kind of know how to do the basics and then I'll give it to somebody else yeah. to, to kind of take it to the next level. Or even if you're writing a song yourself, I never really had the aspiration to, to be a top mixer or a, but I always, always was keen on producing um, yeah. like, like the structures and rearrange, you know, rearranging stuff and uh, um And then that has evolved now through COVID um, so I've got like the the two interfaces there. I've got an 11 rack by there, which is just like my basic fake guitar head. Um, and then I've got another interface, which when you get into podcasting, you're like, oh, I need one for that now. I need one for like portable. Portable, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. So I've like invested in that. So you are right. You you become addicted. And especially like I got the same personality where mm. I'm investing into it now, where you're buying the same as you now with the arms. I've got that coming coming across you. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah. Gone out, got better cameras. Gone out, got extensions for this. Right, how do I do that? Right, I wanna, I wanna do a Christmas special. So I wanna do the crowcast from my living room with the Christmas tree and everything <laughs> behind it. Right, I need to buy a twenty-foot Ethernet cable with a tiny little, and all of a sudden you just go out and start buying all these bits and bobs and crazy
2: in it, dude. This is what COVID is, is done like. <laughs> it's mental, but yeah. Well, you gotta find a balance, really. You know, if. Like if the money's there to do it, great. Obviously, you've got to be careful because yeah. you don't know when. If, you know, with technically, you're a professional yeah. musician, right? Yeah, full te- time. No, technically, I am. Well, was yeah. or I am? I don't know what to call myself nowadays. But um, but yeah, you've got you've got to be careful. But um, yeah, but like, it's just making it a little bit better again, making it a little bit better again. I wish I had I had a boom, like what you've got there, with an yeah. acoustic kit and an electric kit and all that all that gear would be amazing and i i do have like an i've got a very small outbuilding where i live and i've got my Mm -hmm. electric kit there but i don't have a separate setup with the with the computers and interfaces and stuff i'd have to use this unless i forked out for a complete double setup so it's just there because i think i've always thought well i could easily hook my electric kit up to this i've got software on this I'm sure I could get it to work, but then I'm just like, because I use my. This is my everyday laptop. I do everything on it. It's yeah. just, it's just the whole. You know, it'll take you that extra amount of time to set it up just to have a little go on it, and then you'll need it in the house for something else. And I, yeah. I, I just haven't got around to ever doing it. And I think I, I just, need to. So maybe I, I should just buy separate.
0: Yeah, I had the same conversation with my bass player man Lloyd. He, um he's been wanting to get into it all and everything. And then he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna save my money and get a Mac and I'm gonna I said, Brilliant, dude. But I said, to be honest with you, you're better off just using what you got now. Cause it takes so long, you know. I, I do have a respect for it, it takes so long to even like um I, I use like Pro Tools 10, which I know they're on like whatever now, Pro Tools Plus or whatever. I haven't got a clue what I they're on, know, no. but I've got the old version. Um, but then it rocked my world because when i bought this interface that i bought for podcasting yeah. um that came with free software so it came with like pro tools first and it's all like brand new and shiny and stuff so nice. it was really familiar um to what i've been using but yet an upgrade so i'm even going to use that even for certain demoing now because it's just it's just so much easier it's not lazy it's just kind of like if i want to do the electric or if i want to do the full kit sorry yeah. i'll probably run it through the the you know the space machine but there that could fire a rocket or whatever. Uh. Um but even like micing the drums dean I mean, I don't know if you've ever done that, bro, but I've even learned that in lockdown, how no, to to like mic the drums properly or
2: to a to a decent standard to get a good input in. And yeah. Um, I've done a little bit. I like I did I did I did popular music in university and like there was a little mm-hmm. bit of that in that. But I never never mastered it or because I've always been recording with my brother or some other producer. It's never really been me solely in charge of that job yeah i think mike i could probably mic up a kit but i wouldn't know how to do all the stuff on the computer to make it sound good
0: yeah That's i'm, I'm kind of with you there i'm I'm still not at that that level but i was really chuffed um well i think it was in the summer i'd kind of set up all the mics it was just before i changed the room around and give it all a a brand new look and everything. Um, set all the mics up and I managed to get all of the sounds coming through decent. Nice. Um, and I was like, Yes, winning, like, but I know what you mean. I mean, when you start putting the plugins on and stuff like that, it's a whole new world. Yeah.
2: And I haven't got a clue, all that. No, noise.
0: I'd rather spend that time kind of learning more about my drums or more about the music business. That's not a part that kind of yeah, I think you have to be in that from day one. Yeah. But I, when it come,
2: know, yeah. When it comes down to it, when you guys go and write record an album you're going to be going with some producer in some studio right so yeah what you know about plugins and and gain levels and all that doesn't really matter no because you're going to be paying someone else to do it who probably knows a lot more than you anyway so that's why waste why waste the time learning I, I, i that's kind of what i think about it i think
0: no, I agree. And they bring on your knowledge. Um, yeah. I mean, Christ, I remember working with Ginge, I think, early days with the Crows. Oh, yeah. We, we were just kind of, uh, you know, Martin, Martin Ford-like. So um, we, we just finished recording some of Murder and Motive up in Rockfield and he turned around and he said, you guys want to work with as many people as you can. It's like a footballer. Um, he said, you want to work with as many people as you can to gain as not gain the knowledge. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, Jesus Christ, Ginger, you didn't tell me half 15 years ago. I've been uh. paying for 15 years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I thought that was a that was a chestnut he left out, like, you know. But he is right, because as soon as we started working with like, you know, Colin Richardson and, and Chris Clancy, the the bank kind of opened, like you know, it was like, whoa. And then mm. obviously with Andy Sneepy in there as well, it was like there was just new tricks and new new things, even to, uh, you know, prep in a drum kit and stuff. I'd never spent, like, say, for example, days, like, playing playing with a drum kit. Do you know what I mean? It's always yeah. normally go in, make your drum kit up, and then, obviously, we know the score. They get the best sound they can, and then they trigger over the top. Um yeah, unfortunately. Where we, we genuinely spent days, like, getting that solid foundation, or that was the first time I'd ever experienced that. Where well, that's good. Some, yeah, where somebody could be asked to, like, change your skin because it sounds worn out like you know or um yeah just the just the fact of like there's three microphones on a bass drum because it sounds kind of sexy like you know or they're they're playing with the one microphone or uh, like i think i had thanks to moose when we did that session i had like 10 snare drums which nice. i've never taken 10 snare drums into a studio and we just sat there and even by the end of it moose was totally right i was like I don't even know what's happening anymore. You're just, you're just hitting a snare and they're all starting to sound the same. But it, it was just that, like, exactly what you said. It's that knowledge of, like, they knew what they were after for the record. They knew what snare was the right one, like, you know. So, yeah, really cool, man. I mean, it's, like, different feel to what me and you are used to. But, yeah. Um, it's Definitely. interesting. And yet again, before COVID, like, I hate to say that, but that is the reality of it. This conversation would have happened it probably, wouldn't have um, probably not and and that's genuine it, and you know I, i'm always honest about that I, i've kind of spent the last year learning so much um about my drums about technology all the stuff that i i kind of was ignorant before oh, I, don't, I don't really need that or i don't i don't want to i've managed to have the time um which we don't want we don't want that time like yeah, um yeah, yeah. but i've managed to have that time to kind of level up on on certain things like you know so which has just been an asset bro that's mm. been a real even down to like the setup on the kit um where do we get a chance really to unless you have in in like your bros or whatever but i've managed to like that kits that's on about his 10th transition now of like setups is it all right uh, okay that's interesting yeah as in like to, you to know, find your play, ideal
2: setup like
0: yeah mm. never had the time for that i've always kind of played around with it or took a quirky Tom and put that in front, or I know you've done the same, like whether it be a 14 in front or whatever. And yeah. I just never had that time to kind of go, oh, I'm going to do this today, or um, oh, I'm going to try a smaller cymbal on my right-hand side, because um, I've never done that. And um, just oh. just something that, you know, and, and making it interesting. So when I'm actually on the drum kit, it's not a memory thing. You're having to concentrate
2: because there's something new, in different places, do you know what I mean? So that's really interesting, actually, because that's something that I've never really done. I've kind of si- since since I I guess I started gigging properly with like said Mike back in the day. Mm-hmm. I've had one rack tom, one floor tom, two crashes there, right there, and then a china or another crash there, hi hats I there. I've never really fiddled with it, apart from yeah, the different sizes. And I do use two floor toms now, but I've never really thought about maybe using two rack toms or adding symbols or moving the symbols to different places because i i i guess it's because i don't have a setup at home i think if i had a setup at home i could play around with and i could use different um symbol options and try different things out and i guess even when i'm like going to todd's studio to rehearse with the band it's always a bit of a rush it's like set up as quick as you can bish bash bosh Practice with the band, go home. Everyone wants to go yeah. home. That's, yeah. it, that's what that's it seems to be like with with my band anyway. And um, and then in a studio situation, it's like, well, you haven't really got time to f- fuss with stuff like that. Yes, I try different cymbals, uh, different snare drums, and stuff like that. But um, mainly all my stuff. Or Todd's got a few things there as well. But yeah, I would like to fiddle around with it a bit more. Um, it really, it really does help, dude. I mean, like I said, even
0: yet again through covid i've i've played around with the whole um you know i've had a larger tom i think i did that kind of before the tour as well i tried it um uh the 18 the 18 being on the left hand side and the 16 being oh, there how would you um, deal with
2: that <laughs> did it do you yeah, it must make you really think i wouldn't know yeah, what to do
0: weird i mean i kind of started to realize that i didn't use the 18 as much as it was more there cosmetically, because right. I I'm exactly the same as you. I think that's why. Like um, even when we go back to when we were younger and we were both playing in bands and stuff, and I'd use your kit or you use mine. Yeah, you were you were one of the drummers that sticks out where I know you wouldn't mess my kit up because it's almost it's it's like I could get on your drum kit now and feel comfortable. Do you know? What yeah. I mean? It might be a stool or the old you know you shuffle the snare, but you even do that to your own kit as well. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, it's the um. But, yeah, it's that whole, oh, that feels like home. Like like you said, one racked on one floor, yeah. or even two. Um, but, yeah, it was bizarre. It was like, I did it for more like, um, I've seen a lot of drummers, like especially metal drummers and moose and stuff, and he'd have, like, the bigger drums up
2: there and the yeah, gong. he's got a gong drum, isn't he? Yeah, I'd love, yeah, I'd love to yeah. have a bat on one of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I just kind of thought, oh, do you know what? I'll, you know, I'll get this cannon going, like a big 18 on the left-hand side. But it worked. I mean, especially when you're trying to get that 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 build-up vibe and stuff. Um
2: Yeah, I yeah, can imagine for build-ups it would be cool.
1: Yeah, it
0: worked. Um but it, it hasn't really stuck. It has it hasn't yeah. like no. it hasn't jammed. I mean, currently now I've got like um I've got like a bit of a Nirvana vibe going where I've got the the thirteen. So I've kind of gone old school with me and where I've got the 13 in front, yeah, and then there's a, a 16 floor Tom. But then what I've done is set up a 10 just just above it, like you know. So it's kind yeah, of cool. you know a, a a Taylor Hawkins um Stuart, Co- Stuart Copeland vibe where you know you can just roll off the 10 if you need it, but mainly it's that Nirvana vibe. Um I think when we went out on tour, I've never had a rack, dude. I mean, you're in a very heavy oh. rock band. Oh, I know you're shaking your head. You're gonna hate me by you now. So no, right. I was
1: I, no, you were I will. Just
0: agreeing. I've never had a rack. I've never had a oh, I am um, since we were kids, like I don't know, I always looked at big drummers and you know, they had the, the, the big rack kit and all of that. And I'm quite yeah. a small drummer anyway. So I was like, when I got the with the deal with Tama, um, he said, you know, he was showing me around and showing me the kits and stuff. I ended up going for the for that one. And um it was basically the set that was 10, 12, 13, 16, 18. Um, and then I went, oh, have you got a rack? And they were all laughing, going, oh, are you doing a rack, man? And they were obviously explaining like the way like technology is now because of obviously clamps. And yeah. um, I was like, nah, I think I got to have a rack. I just got to do it. Um, what a pain in the ass. That's all I can say to you, dude. If I, <laughs> if I, yeah, I was lucky enough that I had a few mates doing drum tech work for me, Um but when it was just me on my own trying to do it, what a pain in the ass, like I was like, do you know what? Just take me back to one tom in front and a floor tom um yeah, it didn't last very well, and that was that was kind of a cool setup because I had the ten the twelve in front, um very like manixy or um a lot of drummers who have the two toms, yeah, yeah, but then I had the thirteen set up almost like a gone interesting, yeah yeah over over a, on your right on the right over the sixteen and the eighteen. Cool. Um and the reason behind that cuz somebody said that's that's really weird I've never seen like a smaller drum I said well look, the reason why I do it is I've got like the fusion kit this fusion sound um but then if I want to go back to that 90s Nirvana which that's what I grew up with yeah yeah I yeah. kind of just use that 13 and 16 all on the right hand side then so it all becomes it's fun, almost yeah. like it goes back to mine and your setup but in an orthodox yeah. kind of vibe like yeah. you know so Awesome. There's
2: bound to be a drummer who hits me up and goes, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's other, that's, what, well, that's what I love about drumming. Nothing is wrong or right. It's so, everything can be completely personal and you can do your own thing, whether that's like, whether that's technique or your setup. And that's what's cool about drumming. It's not just like, you know, with a guitar, it's got to be, well, I guess there are different tunings, but it still has to be in tune for it to work. And then yeah, you have an amp and then there's pedals or whatever. And then that's endless. That's another thing that can be addictive. So I'm glad I'm not a guitarist because I used oh. to work, I used to work in a guitar shop and the amount of like, well, let's just say, you know, you get people coming in one week, they buy a pedal or buy a guitar. Maybe in the next month. Don't like that anymore. Trading it in, buying something else. And the amount of money they're losing every time doing that crazy. Yeah. Just, and it's just, cause they're trying to find this thing that doesn't exist. This perfect tone or perfect sound that half of it's your fingers anyway i think in my opinion anyway and um, yeah so i'm glad i'm not a guitarist because uh because i think with we- guitar pedals they're small you could you could buy a hundred of them and they wouldn't take up that much room they take up less space than a drum kit so you i can you can the one thing with drums because they take up so much space like in my head i'm like well, i can't have that many because i haven't got anywhere to store them so I've got to oh. take it easy. I recently bought a kit now, but I'm like, I got to get rid of one now because I've just bought one. I just seen. I it. can't it's justify funny. it. I can't justify keeping them both because of the space. So um, yeah, I'll have a well, drum we... kit for sale soon, guys. if Anyone's listening?
0: <laughs> <laughs> behind that wall, yeah. Um, behind that wall, there's like a storage room that runs basically all around. Oh wow! Round this room, That's so cool. it's like because this used to be like an old shoe shop. Oh um, wow! So yeah, man. So it's like a room within another room. It's a, it's quite kind of like crystal mazy, like you know. And um, so my missus when she went in the storage room to sort out like the storage room's like our attic, our version of the attic, like. And um, she went in and she was just like, "Bloody hell! How many drum kits have you got?" She oh had not noticed huh.
1: it's
0: the like I've got a vintage um, a vintage Premier kit that mm. I haven't used for years. It's just like um I'm gonna get Bob to look at it because like obviously I heard him Bob on your Richards. podcast. Yeah. Um yeah man. Um Shane had met him before because he did the cozy bash. Um I I only met Bob briefly but because of your podcast, I don't know, it was just kind of like, I was like, I really want to know him more, which was cool. Yeah. Um, then we had him on the Crowcast, and I was like, now I really want to have a drink with Bob, and I want to kind of hang out and talk more drums with Bob. Um, so I've got a old premier kit, Billy, that I'm busting out. When things settle down and we're allowed to kind of see each other, I want to go and take it over to him and go, what is this? Because I kind of had a, a guy called Nick Hopkins back in the day looking, and he was like, whoa. He said, "That's that's a couple of grands worth. Really? Like, is it? I I I bought an 80 quid dude off a student. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he used to do vintage drums, didn't he? And the story is, I was like, oh, I don't know, about twenty, twenty about, yeah, around, like the said, Mike Days misconduct vibe. And um, I think I just went and bought it off a student for 80 quid. um, And it's got the old, like, the old metal bar that comes across and it's got the dampeners and the drums. And I was nice. just like, yeah, it's punk rocks. One tom, one tom up, one floor, Tom. It's got old thin, like spiky legs. And I oh, was yeah, just yeah. like, so yeah, I'm going to take that over to Bob. And then my missus found my other kit, which was my original like um Yamaha stage custom when I was like 19. That's um, I was in a band called, yeah, I was in a band called like national shame and, um i really wanted a brand new kit and i couldn't afford when i didn't have a job and this dude and it sounds a bit weird but and and it is when i look back this dude kind of was like let me buy you a drum kit and i was like uh well what what, what's the catch what do i have to do do you know what i mean and he was like no i just believe in you he was like and he he kind of understood the position i was in i just become a dad right um he loved, my, he loved my drumming and loved the band that I was in at the time. And he just said, let me help you. And I was like, oh, I don't know. He went, look, it's not for free. He so said, you just pay me back when you can. Ah. You just pay me back. And, and fair play to him, um, Jock took me down to, like, West Wales, said, pick whatever drum kit you want. So I could have come out there with, like, anything. But I ended up just picking this Yamaha Stage Custom because of, like, the the set on it and everything. And I've nice. still got that kit to this day now, oh, like wow. just because of the, and I paid him back. I got a job and um, paid him back. And he was like, there's no rush now, you know, don't forget you've got the little girl. And I, I don't want you to, you know, cause he knew we weren't making money as we don't in, in music. It was like, he was like, no, 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 just take your time. It was just more the fact that he just went throughout, dude, you know, what he has been loaded for all I know. But, so you didn't yeah, actually, really you didn't cool. know you I'm then? A... You didn't know him before? Like, I got to how... know him. No, he wasn't like a, a growing up best mate or a, yeah. um, somebody that I had like a, a massive past with. He was literally, I joined, um, uh, I mean, timeline-wise, we can bounce back and forth, but this would have been around about when I was 19. I just kind of come out of a band with Shane and Shiner, out of the Crows. Oh, right, cool. Um, I know that. Yeah, well, I used to be... Just to flip back, I used to be in a band with Shane and Shiner when we were in like college, school, college, um, and we were in like an indie band uh called Shirker. Um, and we, we did all right, like, you know, and there was a guy called Phil Jones. I don't know if you know him. Um I he was, was a lecturer asked, yeah. at Brigent College. I know yeah, he yeah. played up like your way with his band called Sex. And yeah, um he was a brilliant influence to like us and Jeff Giljohn. Um, and to other Bridgend bands and he, he took us up to London. So we had all our pedigree thanks to, thanks to Phil Jones. Um, and then obviously, you know, I'm going to say the whole musical differences. We all kind of got to a certain age and Shane was more into like the singer songwriter vibe. Um, he was going down a different path. I, I didn't kind of know what I liked, but I didn't, I knew I weren't enjoying the music we were doing. Um, so I got strayed by these old rockers as you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then they started going, have a listen to this kid. And they were giving me mixtapes of like Iggy Pop and ACDC and Mortarhead and and stuff like that. I was like, oh, my God, I'd been listening Uh prior to this to like, you know, uh, Nirvana and Green Day um, and and just all the goodness of the 90s, which I grew up with. Yes, And obviously your, your Queen and Beatles and stuff like that, but. I hadn't gone into this territory. This was like, what, whoa, what, what, what's this? Hmm. Um, so that's how I kind of warmed to them. And I was like, this is brilliant, guys. And then I started it. They were only like, um, uh, they do doing originals, but it was mostly covers. We were doing stuff like riff raff, uh, rock and roll. Yeah, it was just like Iggy Pop and Stray Cats and uh, a bit of the Mannix. Nice. Um, and then that dude who bought me that kit was like their manager, or he was like, "But he was basically a glorified mate in the pub um with a bit of business sense, he was like, "Oh, I'll manage the band, and that's what it was. He was like, "Oh, you need a new drum kit, and I was like, "Yeah but I can't afford one. um and he just went and just went and helped me, like you know, and that drum kit kind of then took me through to other bands after that, like your misconducts and stuff, and yeah, do you know what I mean, so it was just it was mad, but he just seen. He seen something more in me like, you know, he was just like he was the reason I left that band. And if any of the boys heard it, it was just like we did a gig up in London and um, I thought it was a really good gig. I was like, oh, that gig went really well. And he went, nah, you've got to leave. And I was like, what? what? And he went, he was like, they ain't going anywhere, dude. I was like, what? He was like, they're lovely guys. I love them to bits. He was like, but you're you can tell you're hungry and you want to get out there. And he was like, look, the longer you stay. The more you're going to be held down in bridge ends, so you need to go and get yourself back in a, a band with your mates again, and and keep going on that original path, like because they're going to start doing more covers, and then you're going to be in that pool of musicians. And mm. he said, just just break away now, like you know. And I was like, why? Well, we just had a good gig. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Uh, yeah, but really, you know, people like Gassi, Dane. You can't, you can't forget them on the journey. They're part of it, and they Def- like it. yeah, know, definitely, so, yeah. So he he was an influencer, especially with drums. That's why I brought him up because, you know, he was catalytic. You know, my, my dad was a drummer, oh, so, wow. but he didn't influence me as much as like, say, other people did. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, this is coming from a drummer who played with like Dusty Springfield, BBC, bloody big wow. shows and stuff like that. But my dad was more your classic signature session musician like, you know. Yeah. rather than, and big bands and um so you know he'd he gone down all of that path where when i kind of told him at 14 that i wanted to be in a rock band or a punk band he was just like that's not music and yeah i, like, yeah. oh, I want to learn how to play drums dad and my dad he, he was a in all fairness like no matter how much me and him argue or whatever he was a phenomenal drummer as in he he, he played proper crosshand yeah he could play straight if he wanted to, but he he would play proper cross
2: and. It's so, like was a traditional I, grip? Is that is that what you mean?
0: Traditional, yeah.
2: Traditional yeah. Or oh, different words for it. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and he and he he'd be playing and like I've seen him in jazz sessions, and I took mates to watch him like when he was in his seventies and stuff, and he'd be playing like literally doing pretty much one hand rolls and then reaching down for his drink, ah. having, having a drink, putting the drink back down, and then just kicking back in the Amazing. musician. The musicianship, man was like off the scale you know and you just see all their feet go in and and it's like it's proper jazz you know you were waiting for the jazz it was just like yeah yeah but he was he was old school as well because like when i sat down with him to learn the drums i was like dad you gotta teach me how to play the drums they want me to play drums in school um it was the case of like i'd sit down at the drums and then he'd want me to learn mama dada which would be a rudiment um and like as soon as he'd leave the room, I'd I'd have like ducky blasting. I'd start like trying to work out Trey Cool's beats. Yeah. And um, he'd come back in and he'd, he'd hit your hand, like proper old school headmaster vibe. What? You know, hit your hand. I'd be like, whoa, what do you do? And, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm fed up of playing a snare drum. I just want to, you know, I want to play a drum kit. I want to play a drum kit. I want to play on your drum kit. And he'd be like, you learn to play that first.
2: Yeah, that's, um, that's the thing. I think that's where a lot of teachers... Insist on doing. And I never did that, but this is why I've got massive holes in my playing <laughs> because I doing, never sat down and learned all that.
0: If I could go back, I wouldn't have been such a stubborn bugger. My dad took away the snare drum that day, and that was the last lesson I ever had.
1: Oh wow! So it was my
0: yeah, it was my first lesson off him, and it was also my last. Oh. Um So what I did was I built a drum kit in my room of pillows. Yeah, and that and that's how I started. Like putting it together in my head. And then when he used to do shows, cause he'd be in like an orchestra pit and stuff. So when he, when he would do shows like in the, in the breaks and in the intervals and stuff, obviously there wasn't a crowd there. So it'd be between like, if he did matinees and stuff like morning, um, morning shows and evening, yeah. I'd run on his drum kit in the, like literally that. And that was, that was like, that was it. Like, you know, that was, that's what got me hooked. Um, And then sitting next to bloody moose, in class, which I think he said on his podcast, on your podcast. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. sitting next to him, and he was just like, I need a drummer, you can play. And I was like, uh, and that was like literally my entry into being in a band, like, it was like Moose saying, You need to play drums. So we'd sit there, and he'd be putting like Megadeth in my ear and stuff, in, like the old headphones. So we were both sharing. Well, oh, yeah, he, I like, know, trying you mean, yeah. to stretch him and getting me kicked out of class and stuff because I'd be like walloping the table, the teacher <laughs> kicking off, and then he's laughing. And as I'm standing outside the window of the porter cabin and stuff, so yeah, he, 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 believe it or not, was a massive influence as well, you know Amazing. what I mean? Yeah, 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 there's all worse. these people along the way who, without them, I kind of wouldn't have got to that point of that dude buying me a drum kit, and now
2: I got like three in the yeah. In the back like <laughs> <laughs> that's mad. No fair play. So, like you've kind of mentioned a lot of your, I guess that is your drum journey, really, and and that. So, the, did you? So, did you join a band with Moose, or did you? Is that what you mean? Yeah, well, like the proper
0: journey is, um I took geography because my dad wanted me to have a proper education. Um, so okay. music was proper and yeah. uh, yeah. music was on my music was on my options. Um, and he, he scratched that one straight off. So wow. I was like put straight in geography and sit in there first day as you do, after you've done your options, you're sitting in class door, just bursts open In comes My music teacher, Peter Jones has a little word in the geography guys. You calls me out of the room. I go out to the classroom shuts the door and he goes, what are you doing here? And I was like, uh, and I thought I'd done something wrong. I was like, um, and he was going, why are you doing this? What are you doing? And I was like, uh, well, I wanted to do music, but my dad will not let me. So your dad knows nothing. Um, so he, he took me down, <laughs> took me down to the music room. He said, you ain't going back in there. I like, can't, I can't remember like the, the, the actual dialogue, but you ain't going back in there. Um, he was going to tell my dad. It did not matter about me or anything. He was going to tell my dad. Took me down to the music room. There was a load of boxes, and uh, he goes, "Right, your first lesson open them." And I like, I opened up the boxes, and there was there was drums. I was like, "Whoa!" And he was like, "Right, your first lesson is how to put it together. Now you're doing music, and I'll tell your dad." And that and that was it. That's how I learned how to, to to put a drum kit together. Was thanks to Peter Jones. Amazing. Once we once we put it together, he sat in the piano. And he taught me how to tune it by pressing the piano. So he'd he'd do the key. And I was like, oh, wicked. So I tuned the drum kit. He didn't do none of this for me. He made me do it. Um, And then he started playing the first ever song I played on a drum kit. Um, He started playing Shine, Jesus, Shine, like proper (laughs) old school uh, comprehension (laughs) teacher. Started playing Shine, Jesus, Shine on the piano. Um, And to this day, I didn't realize. I just naturally busted out a 4-4. Um, ACDC, uh, yeah. and I I didn't even know what I was doing, dude. I didn't know where where did that come from. It was like wow, there there was like, and I'm I'm talking like proper in time. Everything was there, and I was just playing. And then when I realized, I, I'd be like doubling up with my hand, and I'm like, oh my god, cool! Like I can kind of play the drums. And then I went home, and I was like proper excited. And I obviously told my dad. My dad wasn't happy about it. I, I had Green Day Ducky, and, and that's what I said. I had the pillows there, and I'd just be, like, learning the record. And one day, Moose heard me do Burnout, uh, which was off Ducky. Okay. So there, were, there would be that break. And I just started busting this thing out at, like, 14. And I and I swear to this day, I don't know what the rudiments are to it, or I don't know the drum breakdown. It'd all just be by you, And Moose was like... Join my band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so, yeah. he, he played guitar, right? At the yeah, start. man. Yeah, and, man. And, that, and that is genuinely, he got me in the the first band. So I jammed, be before that was Shane in like the music room, yeah. the singer of the Crows now. Me and him used to jam all the time in the music room. But the first like official band was Moose going, come and play drums in my band. So <laughs> I went and joined his band and it was sick, dude. It was just like... He was like, you could tell he wanted it. It was just like, even from that age, like my first gigs and stuff were like these Nirvana-esque style, loads of kids jumping around, going crazy, long air, yeah. playing like uh, for, for Whom the, the Bell Tolls with Metallica. And, mm-hmm. and I remember him, it was so funny because he'd be like saying to me, um, right, play this one, learn this one next, and he'd give you a tape and whatever. And I'd be listening to him. He's like, No, it's more like you know, da 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 da. And he even then he had the drum sense into him. Um, yeah. and that's how we like learned. Uh, we were destined to go into the studio. He was like, Right, we're going to go to the recording studio, we're going to record our own stuff. Because I think we had songs like, um, I was talking to about this about like a year ago. Um, with songs like Bouncy Shit and Life's a Car Park, and <laughs> yeah, brilliant, but honestly, and then. Um, Cheer up, Life's a Car Park. Don't, don't know what that's about, but it was brilliant. And we used to go up to a local youth club and just rehearse up there, which would be like a gig because there'd be like 20, 30 kids, either, you know, smoking pot or drinking cider or whatever. they <laughs> ram into this youth club, knock the lights off, and it'd be like Nirvana Teen Spirit vibe. You know, everyone's just marching yeah. and cool.
1: Um,
0: And that advanced. And most was like, we're going in the studio. I was like, epic. Um, then we went and done this festival before we did the studio called Panic in the Park. Um, I was 14, Um, dad loved me playing cricket at the time. He was like, Yo, oh, my boy's a great cricketer, and I was, I was, I was like, all right on the old bat.
1: Like, oh, wow.
2: nice.
0: Um, and I met a few rockers that day, and that completely changed my path, dude. That's all I can say. I got so intoxicated. Um, <laughs> It was incredible. We played the gig. We were first on in the festival. Moose is like pulling his, his trousers down, pulling moonies as I'm on the drums. It was very, <laughs> very punk rock as he's playing the guitar. And then afterwards we came off and everyone, you're talking, there was a couple of thousand there as well up in wow. Ogmore Vale. Yeah, a couple of thousand there up in Ogmore Vale in a field. Wow. Um, and it was just crazy because I come off and that was like my first like moment where, I didn't even know what a rock star was, right? That was the truth. Um, yeah. But it was more the case of you felt, oh, wow, this is cool. Everyone in school, he's the drummer, man. And he, oh, no, you know, and everything. And you're like, whoa, wicked. And then an older guy, because I was only 14, would be like, do you want a beer? And I'd be like, yeah, i have a beer. And that beer led into like 10 beers, where even <laughs> the boys are going, look at Ronnie Fairplay. And I'm going, yeah, you know, wow. drinking. Like 14, didn't go home that night that's the that's the bad thing it didn't go home i remember waking up on a settee um it was like something out of a 70s movie there was people doing drugs it was like God. yeah honestly you now it's like you know whoa what, what's going on like you know and i'm i'm there and i've been spewing all night everybody been trying to look after me um but i had cricket trials the next morning for oh, like God. Yeah, really uh-huh. important cricket trials, which my dad was like, this is his break, you know, and all of that. Of course, punk rock Ronnie didn't go home. Um, he sends the police out looking for me because obviously, you know, you're yeah. back 1990
2: before, before mobiles, was it? Before Nokia 5110s. So. Oh, way before, way before that. Yeah, <laughs> Before the brick and
0: that. So, yeah. you know, he phoned around. Um, and anyway, it was like the, you know, the walk of shame, but it wasn't. It was like, he picked me up from this house. They found out that I was all right and I'd been safe and I slept on this settee and everything. And and obviously I pulled up at Moose's house the next morning. And my dad had said to her, "Look, I found him. He's all right." And I remember Moose's mom coming over to the window, going, "Have you taken drugs?" And I was like, "No." I was just so hungover. I'd never had an I'd never had an hangover before. Yeah, yeah, Moose was like, "Dude, you were fucking. You were sick. You were that was amazing. It was brilliant." <laughs> And like we were friends with all the older musicians because of that. And um as soon as I got home, my dad was like, ah, you ain't being in that band and you're never going up there again. And, and it was just like, oh no. Um, so wow. what I used to do was sneak a drum kit, um, which was my house was about 10 miles, but about a 25-minute a bus drive um from where i live to where most lived right um so i used to when my dad because he was obviously a drummer um when he'd go out on gigs what i used to do is run and this is no shit now i used to run with a bass drum around the corner where the bus stop was don't know how anything went stolen put the bass drum in the bus shelter run back to my mom and dad's house grab the toms and whatever i could run back to the bus stop bus would pull up i'd load a drum kit onto the bus and when I got to Ogmore Vale, the boys would be the other end and they'd take the drum kit off. <laughs> um, and then to the I point where say. I even used to borrow like Padge's drum kit um, up, a, up a valley and stuff. And then my dad kind of caught wind of it and we were about to record and he was like, that's it, you've got to leave the band. So I didn't do the recording. And the rest is kind of history there because Moose got fed up of me not turning up um, mm. and started playing drums. And And I was literally it, like so that's how we went down that path of playing drums more yeah um and and then sadly i I was kind of like, "Oh no, get in, so I had to like get back into the music thing again later on, and thank God I'd still been jamming with Shane in the music room, and that's how we kind of started our band, so the singer of the the crows now, Shane, yeah. yeah, that's how like we started a proper band then, so we we got a band together, called Shuka um which Shina joined, um, which is Moose's brother afterwards. Yeah. Um, and we managed to kind of do it that way, which was a bit more local to where I lived. And we could kind of do it in school. So I didn't have to kind of tell my dad I was doing the whole band thing again and um, just kind of waited out until I got to college and then do the whole, Are you doing what you're telling me, man. <laughs> uh-huh. that's, that's
2: crazy. Is It is that... when it
0: comes from a musician. I mean, you think, yeah. your dad, like. Do you remember? My dad, dad he always he...
2: encouraged me to kind of. Yeah. He never no. like told. Me, well, yeah, my dad was the opposite, and yeah. he
0: knows that to this day. I mean, he regrets it. He says that, like you know, I mean, obviously years ago when he see me like, I think when we did like um, full Ponty, that was the day because. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, sorry. I obviously went on to do a band with Shane Sugar, and yeah. that did really well. We started doing like Pepsi charts. Oh, my dad cool. was still. My dad was still like, ah, oh, this is nothing. Um, then, um, after we did the whole musical differences after college and school, um, I ended up in the rock world with that band yeah. uh, who the guy bought me the, the drum kit. Um, that didn't work out, went into, uh, several like punk bands. I think I played with you. That's when I met you then along that way, which was, um, then came Bronson. We were doing, like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were kind of like a, a pop punky kind of band. Nothing really serious. You know, we'd had some London shows or whatever, but nothing to like stamp a career or I didn't go on on tour with Led Zeppelin or anything like (laughs) fancy. Um, Then that evolved to misconduct and that's how we proper met. Yeah, Um, And that that would be my first proper break where I remember when we got the band to the stage where we played like the full ponty and it was like 10,000 people there or whatever it was. I just remember taking the... um, Taking the the shot because there wasn't like camera phones yet again, but somebody had took a photo and showing my dad the 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 thing, and he still wouldn't have it. And even what? when he went on, yeah, even when he was on TV, he was like, "Ah, oh, that bloody rock thing, you know." And I just don't get it, like you know. But weirdly, the only drummer he would ever give respect for the rock word, would be um, I do like that um, that Guns and Roses drummer, Matt Sorum. What? That's random. Yeah random as hell dude that's the only drummer like out of like the rock world i'd be naming drummers to him all the time like especially with queen and stewart copeland with the police and stuff you think my dad would be all over that he was like no
2: yeah you um, think he'd be into more the more the jazzier yeah kind of rock drummers like ian pace and the bill wards no. and people like that that's crazy yeah
0: he, he knew he'd met ginger baker and he'd met um buddy rich and people like that and um, wow. So he had, like, massive respect for them. Yeah, yeah. But um, he had a really bad, like, um, I think he 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 had a, like, something happened with Keith Moon back in the day with my dad. <laughs> what? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a bit of a scuffle. And um, I think from that point on, my dad, like, looked down at rock drummers, like, do you know what I mean? He was just, like, rock drummers of the devil. It's almost enough. like a um, water boy, like, do you know what I mean? So That's um and then just had a totally different respect for other musicians. It was almost like we're we're below a proper musician because he could read music, he could yeah. he could I, just step in. You know, when I used to say I'm gonna practice, he'd be, like, huh. <laughs> he'd be <laughs> like, well, yeah, you gotta practice. Now you look at Instagram drummers and stuff, they're constantly telling you to practice. Yeah, but, you know, my dad's like well, he's 94 now, dude. So oh, wow. um yes, he was he had me late in life. Um so it was like completely different mindset as well. So that's probably important to say of the the age, you know, when yeah, you're I born so. in 1926 and he went through all the Beatles stuff, you know, he was playing with bands like Joey and a Gentleman and stuff like that. And so he did that whole thing. And, and he was like, why would you want to be in a rock band and not get paid? Like he knew that straight away. He'd be like, because yeah. they used to have like an old ambulance. And um, he said, oh, no, that wasn't for me. Because he used to get paying jobs, obviously, for like, Bigger artists, he could go in like that was the thing. You know, I had to respect him. My dad could go and do one gig, come home, and we go on holiday because it was just like whoa, that's
2: amazing, that's, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, so in all fairness, he made his kind of, but he also didn't have no royalties, so he did a lot of films and stuff like that, and he did a lot of radio work, he did a lot of album work, um, but didn't have no royalties, just totally all about the money, like you know. Yeah. So, so that's something I've educated him now because he looks back and he thinks, Christ, he, he should be kind of more well off. But sadly, when you take in, which would have been a lot of money, say like for a session, maybe like £20 back in the day, um, which would be the equivalent now to going out for a couple of hundred, say, for example. But yeah, yeah. the royalties obviously would have paid him a lot more, especially some of the records he's done and I like, you know, so. Oh, that's crazy. So yeah, crazy, isn't it? it is, you know uh, got to be
2: careful what deals you make when you uh, sign up to these things. I guess people are a bit more savvy about it now, yeah. Doing session work and stuff, but um, I, I I guess I'd like to speak to more drummers that are in that field of work on this podcast. So there's a few people I've got in mind that I've I just haven't really contacted yet. That they're in that world, they've kind of done the rock band thing, yeah, or they're doing both. I guess, but you know, they're involved in that session stuff because it would be interesting to know, like, do you even have a way of negotiating to get a, some royalties? Is it more like I employ you to play on this. I'm paying you this amount of money. That's it. Take it or leave it. I don't really know how it works. Because drumming like, doesn't class as songwriting in, in the traditional sense, sadly. Very true. From like a publishing point of view, it doesn't, it's, it's irrelevant, unfortunately. Yeah. It's all to do with like the, you know, the agreement of the band or whatever. Um Which is wrong really, because like,
0: certain grooves or certain certain things can really take a song into a different so that's yeah. that's like a completely um I've I've talked about this to loads of drummers and loads of musicians like you know they don't realize um I know it's different now because we're living in like twenty twenty one they can just be like yeah well we'll 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 just use a drum machine
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it's
0: like oh but back then um you know it would take a certain finesse to walk into a studio and do my dad was a what I call a money saver. So he could go in, get the job done. Yeah, um, and they wouldn't have to waste a lot of time on takes and
2: stuff. And that's that's why out. they wanted him because they yeah. save time. Yeah, well, like I don't know if you listened to the episode with Ash Sheehan. Um, If if you haven't, he's on my on my podcast. He plays for Glen Hughes, um, but he does a yes. lot of session work. And he, yeah. he he said that he gets employed because he just goes in there, doesn't mess about, does just gets the job, leaves, and then they move on to the next guy. And that's why. He's sought after in maybe in his area. I don't know where he works. But, but um but he gets getting called back because he's quick. Bish bash yeah. bosh, get it done. And he's obviously he's an amazing player, so he, yeah, he's confident in his abilities. And then um but yeah, that's he says I like, don't whatever kits say, I'll just use it. I won't even change the setup of it. I'll just play it. Go home, take my money, go home, and then they move on.
0: Well, that's what my dad used to say. He was like, you don't want to be an asshole and stuff like that. But I used to be there from a very, so I do like, you know, I wasn't like handed a gift or anything. It was just the fact of my dad would take me to a lot of shows the same as yours, but my, my background rather than being like rock or, or anything like that was the whole like um, rehearsals in a production of a, of a show. Um, So whether, you know, it was very cool. Now I look back and I appreciate that. So like when I say to you, I, I, I kind of love writing, like, you know, I love writing with Shane or I've loved writing in other bands. Um, It's because I can kind of hear like maybe certain melody lines. Um, But that would have been thanks to my dad without realizing it, but put put me in the pit and you're just sitting there. And as a kid, you're bored. You are like, I, Uh I was really bored, especially when you've seen a show, like, you know, sometimes it'd be two shows a day that would be running for eight weeks It's the same show. So you you more notice the mistakes rather than the actual show. So if something went wrong, I could tell you all about that. I'd be like, oh, that person forgot their line. Or I I knew all the, you know, because you almost, you know it robotically, like, you know, even my dad's drum parts, I knew when he was going to pick up, um, uh, a bird wobbler to do certain like effect or whatever because that's what they used to do back then there was nothing digital yeah that's true any, anybody ah. watching or listening to this there was nothing like oh I'll put that sound effect up No, and let me just program that in it'd be you know, if they wanted birds as they're talking in a lovely forestry, my dad would be there with a little like plastic bird with a like, um, almost like like, you, you blow into it, fill it with a little bit of water, and that would give the like birds in the background. Crazy, dude. But well, that's yeah. that's like the you know. You know, all he'd be there with his bells and stuff, or um, his timps, He'd have like Timps set off to the side. So you'd have a whole percussion area uh, nice. as as well as his drum kit. Um, but then I would also have the asset of having like Ted Boyce at the time. who was a a really really cool like musical director. Um, I'd sit behind him as well, so I'd be watching him on this like big double organ, um, while he's conducting the band as well and. Um, it was brilliant to watch him, like, bringing in other people's parts and watching him turn in his score. So why I didn't go down that field, I yeah. don't know. I think it was just more of a a rebellious thing against my dad. Um Possibly. Plus, I was kind of more... I was more interested in being on the stage. I think I said that to one of our guests recently. Um, I was always more interested in being on that stage of, like... I, I don't know, like, it was just kind of like... It was the urge to be part of the show yeah. rather than, like...
1: I in don't know. Background. I don't want to put
0: down or discredit any musician. Yeah, man. Do you know what I mean? It was almost like I just wanted something different. And I don't know what that would have been back then. And it wasn't like fame or nothing like that. It was just almost like I wanted that whole, wanted to be part of that, like, you know, rather than the just making sounds in the background or that's yeah. that dude or whatever his name is. Like, do you know what I mean? It, just a bit more impact to it. So yeah. I do respect him for that because I learned the whole, you know, behind the scenes and how a show would be or i've been to studios with him and um i wouldn't really take in the studio side of it to be honest it was because i'd just be in a control room and my dad wasn't there long yet again like you said if they were pretty good they would walk in get handed a sheet of music maybe talk talk it through with what they needed he bosh it out and that'd be it like do you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so but the big band the big band stuff really got me going i i I love that when i seen him like I only seen him like maybe once or twice to it because it kind of faded out by the time I got to a certain age. But I seen him in like 18 or 20 odd piece big bands. Um And I'd be in awe of like how everyone came together or the sound of it, like doing like In the Mood by Glenn Miller or um, Benny Goodman and stuff like that. Like, do you know what I mean? So it was just really cool. And yeah. like an impact, you know, like they say with a bass drum hitting you in the chest and stuff. I used to get that from, like, all the horn section when it all used to kick in and stuff, and it'd be like, whoa, that's that's, that's a real cool thing, or you'd realise the the velocity of it all, like, the control over the musicianship, you know what I mean? So, And yet I, again, my dad was so controlled because he knew, like, how to hit the cymbal properly, not break them like me, like. <laughs>
2: yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, that's, a, that's another bloody conversation. You would have a whole conversation about breaking cymbals, but... uh <sighs> Yeah, man. Well, I, I can understand where you would have got that kind of um, kind of production side of of music from being exposed to all of that mm-hmm. from a young age. Because like that's something I've never really. Apart from my, I was a drummer in a few school concerts. But the 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 band was literally the music teacher on piano, the DT teacher on guitar, and then I think there was one that my mate was playing bass, who was my age, and I was playing drums. Well, that was the band. It wasn't a big orchestra or anything yeah uh, it would have been great to have been involved in that but um no that's that's so interesting i didn't know any of that about you or your history or your dad or anything so thank you for sharing that <laughs> it's awesome but um yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about those damn crows and for anyone i'm sure a lot of my listeners will already know the band but for anyone who doesn't know you how would you describe your sound because i i think you've got quite a unique sound
1: how would you describe
2: it being in the band yourself
0: <sighs> melodic rock with a, with, with like a, uh, maybe a heavier undertone. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's always hard, isn't it? When they ask you, dude, do you know it what it is? Mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, um, but yeah, really melodic. Just, um, the thing is, there's so many kind of bands that, that we all like within that we don't necessarily try to sound like anybody, we just kind of do what we do what we do like if that makes sense So yeah, that's good and i think part of the beautiful thing with the crows was um like when it kind of started I'd, I'd quit music um i was done around 30 um just just done with like being in the whole like fed up again into bands and and getting so far in bands i don't know if you've been there, dame but you, ju- you just get so far and then like the singer leaves and mm. or you get so far and you lose a deal or it just just everything's going and for me like you know i had this house when we were when me and the wife were like 20 21 oh, wow. um so yeah and i had like three kids um so it was never ever about commitment for me bro where like when we knew each other when we were younger, um, I was always committed. So I might have been like the only dude in the scene at that point, possibly who had his own house or would have been married, would oh, have had kids. Yeah. But yet my commitment was far more than anybody else. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, I just kind of, I don't know, after like speaking of Mark and Mendoza, I kind of maybe didn't find the right players, the right cats, as he would put it, the right. Um, I just kind of was drawn more to people who were, only doing it maybe just on a local thing. And then as it was getting bigger, it became harder and more committed. Um, So it kind of just sucked a lot of life out of me. By the time mm. when you're 14 to 30 and all you want to do is make it in a rock and roll band, um, you get more, inf- it, more infatuated with the making it. Um, And you lose focus of why you actually started drumming, as we just talked about, like the buzz of playing, like, you know, or, mm. Being in a punk rock band with Moose or being in a school or a college band with Shane and Shiner and traveling to London and having those experiences of leaving your hometown and, oh my God, we're all in it together, boys. You know, we've left, we've left Bridgend and we're in London. This is amazing. You yeah. forget all of that. All of a sudden, it's about, why can't we get on tour with Alkaline Trio?
2: Yeah. Um, you don't why, appreciate why, the little things. So yeah, much. yeah.
0: Why, why in our album doing as well as them? Why is this happening? Why, 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 so it, it does start to kind of cross or, you you feel like you you're on a meter of losing members. Well, if I don't start earning money soon, you know, I'm gonna to have to look at something else. Oh fuck, you're like, oh no, my band's gonna fall apart. So that anxiety creeps in, and yeah, yeah, Um there was a lot to play. So 30 yeah, I give it up. Um, then decided to buy myself a load of recording gear. And and then do it as an hobby. It was literally, and I hated that. If anybody would have said that to me up to 29, oh, it's a nice hobby. I would have like literally roasted you on the spot. <laughs> I'd be been like, no, I, I'm doing this music thing because I love it. And and this music thing. And then I'd name bands and dude that we all know, like Bullet for My Valentine's Funeral for Friends, Skin Dreads. And I'd be naming them all going like, oh, they've made it, see? So it is possible. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what it's like around our place. It's Definitely. so easy to be like, Drawn down in the, in the sewage of negativity, or, or, you know, when you get a proper job. Um, and especially for me, um, I didn't have the weight off my wife, I certainly didn't off my little ones because they were only kids. But the family or uh, strangers would be like, Oh, you got kids, man. That's you got to start looking at this, you know, you've got to give up and thing up soon, haven't you? <laughs> you, you? You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. What? So the pressures get to you, and you then don't... 30, I, I was like, Oh, do you know what? bucket maybe they are right um and i kind of went into a different avenue I, I went and bought a business with my mate um and started spending more time on that and less time on like being passionate about music started writing in the side um with shiner that started evolving started jamming in with lloyd um and it was like oh this is really cool so like what you're saying what's the sound of the crows it was like we, we just decided to be different, as in, like, just do what you want, as in yeah, be creative, Um, but let's not be popular, as in if, you know, a band like Bullet make it, let's not all start doing harmony riffs and, you know, looking like them because we want to get there. Just do what we do and don't worry about anybody else. And if we like what we're writing, hopefully everybody else. I know that's such an easy way to put it as an, al- an analogy, but that's the truth. It was like... Yeah. We had a couple of singers, and, and this is a true story. We started coming down to your brother's place. I don't know if you, you knew that, or um, but it's a true story, whether your brother remembers it. Yeah. It was when he had the rehearsal rooms. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, um We started taking in a life. I started singing, and you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. But we were so adamant about, like, enjoying music, bro. Going back to that 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 foundation of like when like i said to you being in a band with shane and china when we loved it being in a band in moose when it was fun we were trying to emulate that um and we did we'd be in your brother's place and i remember we'd just be banging out riffs and just and i'd be singing like jesus christ like a like A drowned trumpet, like you,
2: know? <laughs> you can't be worse than me. Oh, I don't know, but we'll I love a sing off one day and see who's the worst.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll have a, a yeah, sing, sing wrong off, and yeah. like Jesus, <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and and it was kind of there and it was like grungy, and we were like, oh, that sounds cool. Um, then we then the, the Lloyd being Lloyd was like, oh, we should start looking for singers, and, and I knew Shina still wanted to be in a band at that point, and I had the fear. Of like, oh no, I don't know if I want to do this again. Oh no. Mm. I'm earning very good money now. I earn very good money. I pay my mortgage now. Yeah. I can I can go on holidays now. Oh, I don't know if I want that. Um so I was kind of like holding it up for a bit. And then we started trying singers down your brother's place. Nothing was vibing, and then out of nowhere, and and it's like like as if the the world's like aligned Shane just appeared. I hadn't seen him for like 10 years. Um, bits and bobs, like as you pass in a small town, but yeah. nothing serious. Um, my mom had recently passed. His dad had passed. And he was like, so we were talking about that. And I was like, whoa, dude, oh, sorry, we're near for you. Sorry, we're near for you. Um, then he was like, look, will you do uh, um, some drumming for me? Uh, he done a track. And I was like, yeah, sure, man. Um, Shane came up the house, did the drumming. And you know how it goes. Oh, what are you up to then? As you've probably done with your old boys and stuff. What are you up to? Yeah. Um. Oh, we, well, we're doing this and stuff like that. So we started playing him some demos. And the first track he heard was Blink of an Eye. Um, oh, wow. Oh, I like that. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, he was like, do you mind if I take that? Or it went something along our line. He wanted to just take it, have a, have a sing on it. Um, off he went. He took our track, dude. And when he came back with it, that's when I wanted to be back in a band. I'd and that's a genuine thing that is. I'd, I'd watched. It must have been everything happening at the same time. I watched several documentaries. Um, Foo Fighters back and forth. Um, then I bought the Wasting Light album, which I think is is class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then I watched the Lemmy documentary. Um, yeah. Then I'd watched Anvil documentary, and all of a sudden it was like, it was like being stabbed with <laughs> that drug um and i'm going oh no oh no it's happening again oh no i'm i'm like i can't be doing this no and when shane came back with that vocal with blink of an eye i was just like lassie um shiner at the time was being like oh i don't know maybe you have another track off and i'm like i'm telling you but that's that's the one that's that's it i said because i tell you why he doesn't sound like Corey taylor i mean at the time dude there we go um I was even thinking of asking Neil because I know oh. you were doing. Um, it was very on with like Phil Campbell and the All Stars back end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you'd done like um, a shop party for me and stuff, and yeah, and then it was mentioned that you couldn't do a lot of the drumming or something. And then one of the boys went, "Bloody, I forgot you could even drum. Forgot you were about." And, huh. and then I think you you just didn't have that time off, and you guys just went, and I never had the phone call. Huh. But even that started kick starting the brain going. I never jammed with Neil and and all that. It was never a full-time job. It was to step in if you couldn't do it. But it was yeah, like, Yeah, yeah, well, that would be cool if that ever happened, or if I ever got offered that. But then me even thinking that then going, Why are you thinking that? You don't want you don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> and like, so then Shane giving this track then and going, Oh my god, what is going on? This is like an injection of your back in the rock world, like oh, you want to get back in there. And and that's when we started the band. It was almost like it just worked. No name. Um it was just a gradual steady pace Um, and then all of a sudden Shane being driven and having like this mighty second wind of a of, of a ship you've never seen was just like, I'm telling you this has got legs. And I'm going, oh, you know and I'm thinking to myself, oh no I, let's not do this now, let's not, let's not pile pressure on on the band. He's going, I'm telling you but and we used to stay then in Music Box, so we came down your gaff. Yeah. Yet again, we were at your brother's place with Shane. Yeah. And my, I I've said it on a crew cast before. Um, my my memory was like, it was brilliant. We were jamming like fear of the broken. And I just remember the door flying open, um, just like as if it opened on its own. And your dad was standing there and he just went, riffs. And then the <laughs> door just the door just shut automatically. And I was like, fucking hell. I was like, you know, well, if Phil likes it, there must be something going on there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was little things like, oh, well, there must be something happening there. And then we started practicing down in music box and practice would end at nine o'clock because we all had jobs and everything. So practice would end at nine o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. We're leaving Cardiff. What?
2: Just chatting outside and stuff like or whatever. We
0: would stand outside, um, with seagulls flying over, you know, it's like down in music box. Yeah plotting of like well we could do this we could do that we could do this 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 would be cool and in my head all this time i'm going oh no man oh god this is going to start getting serious and like thirdly to shane he was like you know it's almost like he came in in with it with just a different look on it i'm not going to say um uh nothing insulting of like he didn't understand it he just had a belief in it um where i was coming from it where i was hurt and damaged and a bit bitter. It's, it's true to say that. I was bitter over like um, maybe bands that should have gone a certain way or decisions that should have happened or yeah. maybe bands I should have left. So I started blaming myself and um, and Shane just came in with this like as if I was like 16 again. We just like rekindled and I was like, oh no, I don't know if it's too late. But slowly but surely, you know, same old poison starts happening. You start playing shows up in London. One person you say, oh, that's great. And, and then the, the momentum starts moving. We go and record a record up in Rockfield. Momentum starts moving. But we were doing the live shows and it was like something's missing by you. So yet again, it's that older look on the band. Hmm. Um, something's something's going wrong by you. And it was the fact of live. We, we were producing these songs on record, but live it just wasn't kind of gelling up. shiner being the only guitarist. Um, so hence why Dave came along. It was like we need somebody else. And there was a couple of people yet again in the in the running for it, or but we just had to have that right fit, dude. You, you know what I mean? It was like straight away it had to be because we built these foundations of friendship and past and yeah, and like the the open, literally an open counseling session basically of like, you know, I told the boys, like, you know, music killed me. Um I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And it was like everyone helping each other and promising each other, look, we'll all be there for that. Or if that decision doesn't go right, we'll talk about it honestly. So it was like this real camaraderie. Um, the name was irrelevant. I mean, it was just, we did the whole thousand names in an act or whatever. So <laughs> was of stuff that meant stuff and whatever. I'd gone down my dad's one day. Um, Cause like I said, he's obviously getting on now. He'd been feeding the birds out in the garden and like, crows just landed and he went those damn crows wow i, I thought amazing. it was funny how he said it he was like those damn crows and i was like that's brilliant and i thought i'm gonna go home now write a song so I started writing this lick which had like the, the the top line of those damn crows and then i sent it over to the boys and i think lloyd loved it and then it started catching on and um and like i said to you the momentum started moving and dude it was like we started becoming more of a band more of a band and then we made a list then, which is something I'd never done in any other band. I started making like all a bucket list of all stuff that I'd like to do. Nice. Um, and I just thought, you know what? If I don't get to do all of these, there's nothing to lose. It doesn't matter at all. If I tick some of them along the way, brilliant. So started looking at music as a different perspective then of, I'm not in this to make it now because I have made it. Um, I, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. I got my own house. Yeah. Um, I, I'm all right. Like, That's pretty right good. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if this music thing kicks off, then that's brilliant, but I'm never now going to stop playing music, um, because the industry or because of band members or, or anything like that, that I'd kind of taken personal in the past. Um, and as I'm doing this in the psychology and like, as I'm growing as a person, the band is getting bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the decisions are becoming more and more, um, so then we get a record deal. And I'm like, oh, no, because I'm starting to, like, like I said to you earlier, oh, no, huh. here we go. It, you know, what's going to happen? And I'm thinking, well, I'm in a really good position for you because I I own my own business. Um, I'm in a cush, cushy position. If I want to do this, that's brilliant. Talked to my business partner at the time. He was fine with it. Yeah, no worries. But the more you drink that, that portion, the more you dabble with the devil and and like <clears> – <throat> The more I wanted to do it and the more that everything else I was doing just felt like a chore. Um, And then Shane gave up his job. And I was like, no, I was like, why are you doing that, dude? And he was like, if I don't give up my job right at this point, he was like, I'll never know whether I get successful in music. And I was like, "Oh, dude, but I've been there in bands before, and we're not young now." And I'm, I'm like, "Bloody hell!" And he was like, "You don't have to tell me, but I'm a grown ass man, and I know yeah. my own responsibilities." But he said, "If I don't commit to this now, hundred percent, we're not gonna, we're not gonna push on." Um, and he was totally right because he, he knew that doing the whole juggling and stuff like that, and and like you know, coming from a job that he did, which was a very good job, house everything, he he knew that life, that horrible thing gets in the way the mechanics of like working for the man and yep. and then you come home and you're tired dude and you haven't got time then to go oh i gotta spend three hours tonight um as you know the the the, the pain of it to to do a podcast or to Yeah. um so shane committed very early on um a couple of years ago now good good few years ago kicked the band on and then As we're yet again, we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the opportunities and that list I'm telling you you now the bucket list. I'm I'm going, Oh, I played there. I always wanted to play there when I was a kid. Boom, ticking that.
2: Amazing. Oh, wow, we're doing that. Ticking that, ticking that. They're quite like manifesting, don't they? You've manifested this for yourself. Yeah, it grew. It just grew
0: perfectly. And then all of a sudden, then um, I find myself sitting in a van thinking, I'm jealous of him because he's doing this full time, and I should be doing that because if. Like if this was the old me now, I can imagine like where the band would be again with two people with that drive. Yeah, and and I'm almost fighting these demons and like the push and pull of life um, to the point. Anyway, I think I came back. We we got in the charts, as you know. In so we're, we're pretty much a year now, actually, on where where we got to. So we yeah. we just come off a sold out UK tour. We hit the top twenty in the charts. We're like, this is incredible, and and secretly I'm miserable. That's like, so you're you're talking about this music supposed to make you happy, but I'm I'm miserable. And I'm thinking, right, why am I miserable? What is making me miserable? And what it was was the fact of I was having to deal with like the business on the side, um, the the business partner. The the agreement was always I was the driver of that business and he wasn't that kind of character, do you know what I mean? Which is fair enough, and I knew that when I kind of went into it. But it became a lot harder, and it became a lot harder to manage. And it, and to be honest, the love them weren't there. It was like the, the environment wasn't there. It wasn't the right personalities. You know what I mean? It's like being yeah. in a band. It has to be, you know, when you're, you're super creative, and you're, you're kind of like, everything's got to be right. And that, that all starts from a vibe, and 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 this person's got to be, you know the right person to hang around with and stuff, and that person you've got to see them every day, man. I mean, if exactly, it's your... yeah, yeah. And I, when I was in the shop, I'd be just constantly thinking about my band, and I'd rather be with my band. They, they're my brothers. They're my, they're my future. They, they're where I wanna, I wanna bleed with them. Like you know, uh-huh. it's like I wanna go through all this shit, um, and it, and it's really worth it. So I give up the job. Uh, I, 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 so, I sold my shares. And and backed out of that business, and then about a week later, COVID it. All <laughs> oh, right, was that all oh, right? That was the timing, was it? Right, right. Yeah, man, I'd like gone round to Shane's, bro, and I was like, I was so emotional. I was like, I've done it. I just had enough. Um, you know, I'm a business owner, and I I found it that, that day. I was, and this is no gods. It's probably one of the first times I've actually said the truth of it. Like where I found I went into my own shop that day, and I did my normal routine. I got there before everyone else, cleaned the shop. Then I got my hands down a toilet, cleaning the toilet. And then, and there's nothing wrong with that. Cause if you've got a, you know, yeah, it was my, bu- my business, I was proud to clean that toilet. Of course, like, you know? yeah, yeah. And then I'm going out the front of the shop and then I'm cleaning the windows and a few things happening. I can't even remember. It was a bit of a blur. And I just remember going, I'm fucking done. I'm done. Um, Cause it was just, I was hearing the wrong things. And I was thinking, I don't really want to be here. Life is short. Yeah. And the worst thing was about a week before that or two weeks before that, my wife had sat me down and said, I know you. I, I, I know you. Like we've been together since we were 16. Right. Um, right. she's like, I know you music is what makes you happy. They're the reason why I'm in a band dude is my wife and my kids asked me to go back into a band yeah. and, and really go for it. And when I got the record deal with the crows, I was like, are we going to do this again? You know, look at what we built. And they were like, what we've built is nothing to do with the tattoo shop. That's love. And that's sticking together as a support unit. That's just money. Don't worry about that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I know that, but you know, I've put a lot into it, but what would you rather putting a lot into that or putting a lot into your music career? And I was like, oh. and you're almost then fighting with your own demons going, Oh, Oh, am I doing the right thing? And my wife just said for us and for the kids, just, just leave it all behind. Like, and just focus on that. So that's what made that decision easy that day. I remember just stopping cleaning the window. Um, I had a couple of words and then the next thing, you know, I was just like, I'm done. And that's it. And I literally haven't looked back since it's just been like, wow. it's all amicable and and it's great. Cool. I still, I'm still mates to my own business partner, but I, I just, I'm much happier because now I, like what I said to you at the top of the show, I get to play with drums all day or yeah. I get to, I get to do the crew cast. I get to um, business meetings. You know, we've, we've done so much me and Shane now do during a pandemic, um, which I wouldn't have had that time, dude. I would have been having to balance, you know, other boys lives who depend on a living and working out, how to to function a business through this, through this stuff I, I just wouldn't have had the time to do that so
2: yeah I imagine um, that would be really difficult
0: so, yeah in a way it's like the timing's bad but mentally to be honest i was i was done a lot longer um and i was just kind of you find yourself going through the motions and yeah you're, you're faking it like do you know what i mean so you're not really invested which is mad considering it's your own business yeah yeah like
2: well, i guess mad, you, isn't you have chapters of your life and that was one chapter and uh you know, chapters end and you move on to another one. So yeah. that's how you think about it, really. You did well, well didn't I, you? You had a good you know, you did well. That business was
0: you was know brilliant. successful. I mean, when yeah. I, when I went into it, it was a uh, the polite way to put it is it was a, an old school tattoo parlor. Um that's the best way to, to put it. Flash all over the wall, um, you know, bit behind standards. I wish should have been moved on. Um, hmm. and then I left it as a multi-award winning international tattoo studio um Excellent, yeah. you know that the artist i remember having the first initial business meeting with him and i was saying i want to do this and i want to go on the road and i treated it like a band see in my head i was like i'm gonna go on the road and we're gonna so everything was still a band even though i'd given that yeah,
1: life yeah.
0: up all my analogies and i think if you spoke to any of the boys who work down there now i'd always bring it back to being in a band um so you obviously can't
2: you can't let go like do nah. you know what i mean i i think some of us are in it for life dude and... yeah, I, I i just can't really like i'm doing something temporary at the, on the side just to, to yeah kind of just as an insurance to make ends meet like because we don't know how long this is going to go on for and it was just me going well maybe i should but yeah i can't i just can't see myself never playing music ever again like just...
0: but i i can, I can get like i can get that dean i mean like i said to you earlier i had the house at like 21 I'd left a, I'd left a job working in a school. I was like an LSA. Um, yeah. So I was working in a school, autism, Asperger's, brilliant job. Mm. And I remember having the assembly back in a day where they were like, Ronnie's off now. And they're trying to explain it, love him, to all these special needs kids who didn't care. They just wanted to hurry up and get me out the way. <laughs> Ronnie's off now. We're all going to wish him luck because he's, go, he's going off to it with his record deal and uh, top of the pops and all of that. <laughs> like, <to laughs> um, And the reality was I did go and do that. But then my video drops on Kerrang and I'm like, yeah, on Kerrang. And I think it landed on like MTV2 at the time. And um and I'm starting to the magazines, like uh, metal hammer's Kerrang's and Black yeah. Velvet and 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 everything. But the reality is as the school buses are passing, I'm fucking ducking down behind cars because I'm litter picking at the same point. Mm-hmm. So we've all been there where you're yeah. trying to um the perception of I'm a rock star, but you've got to put Bread on the table for your family, like, or you yeah. gotta pay the bills. Yeah, um, and the reality is, and the harsh thing is about this game is,
2: we're the most. Well, we're we're paid less than an apprentice. Oh yeah, So that's ridiculous. Like if you put if you like work out hours put in, yeah, to what you actually kind of get.
1: Obviously, yeah. it's different.
2: Everyone's different. Different bands got different situations. But yeah, this when you when you work it out, all my mates earn more money than me. <laughs> basically do i mean yeah. and, and that's just the way it is and i just accept it but i'm like i don't yeah, think a yeah. lot of people from the outside realize like this you play these festivals this you going on tour and you know you know and that's only a small section of the year if you know in grand scheme of things but it's it's kind of like yeah kind of like yeah i'm gonna lose oh, money is <laughs> a, a pocket of welsh musicians
0: um i don't know if we were all like if i say there's about there's at least 40 or 50 people off the top of my head yeah if we were all like set in the 70s 80s dude we'd
2: be sitting there with mansions now yeah but (laughs) yeah possibly yeah there was a lot more money around and people used to buy records then and unfortunately just because when we were born and when we grew up we grew up doing this stupid time of mp3s and scream streaming which has just messed everything up unfortunately and um I think
0: the boys, um, the the Bullet Boys, had one of the last, from what I know. I mean, I don't want to talk about any of the other bands that we both know, um, the business dealings, but they were one of the, one of the last that I know who had a proper traditional good record deal. Record deal, uh,
2: yeah. Yes, as I call it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there have been a couple of other bands, you know, my years to the ground where I know of, have, have landed some serious money, um, but obviously there's a few that we both know that, you know. You two are in the world on a shoestring. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. it's it's quite crazy, like you know. But like we we're very fortunate with the crows because we started. Um, so we had this like camaraderie and friendship and brotherhood. Brilliant, but it was a business. So right from the start, it was you know we set up a business account and and then we started producing our own records. Um, so we, the whole point was when we came to a record deal, if somebody give us a crap record deal, we could go, well, hang on, you're offering us that, but we've just made this on our own. Yeah. Um, so that don't add up. So yeah, if you'd like to sign us, at least give us that back, everything we've put into it. Yeah, please. And then we can kind of evolve it to the next stage. So we had a really different, and I always encourage like any younger band doing that now. Do, you know, DIY as 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 much as you can. Yeah. To the point then where you do need that record label or the contacts or that next level to take you where you do, but you have those foundations in place. And like you know, our merch store. Um, we're always we're always thinking a new merch. We're always thinking about to build our store. I mean, bloody Shane's house is like like literally like. Well, it's like a a bloody claw shop. Um, well, you know, not fulfill office. it he's, he's got he it.
2: fulfills it himself. Is it or you guys do it,
0: dude? Everything you see with the crows is S. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's so cool. you know, if we're having if we're having four or four five hundred orders in a week or or whatever, that's four hundred orders of packing stuff. The chain is there. It takes and forever <laughs> and in post offices um yeah it does um it does, and yeah. you know that's something that we're trying to amend now because as the band's got bigger the orders are getting vast which you which know is great like, which not only can he can't see his bloody rooms um but we're trying to hold on to that side of the band like do you know what yeah. I mean the the, the the business sides yeah. that earn you money like you know mm. so um yeah we've we've always had that kind of ethos early on of like putting everything back into the band i, I genuinely believe uh, we wouldn't have got as far, like with all bands that I w- were in. It was, you know, the score when you're in younger bands, everyone wants a bit of pop, do they? As in, like, oh, I'll give some money, I'll I get a few beers. Like, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But um, with, this, with this band, when we started making, it's quite funny, actually. I remember when we broke our first £100, oh, we made 100 quid tonight. If I was older bands, it would have all been dealt out. That's 20 quid each. It's gone. It's
2: gone, yeah. With yeah, this
0: yeah. band, it was like, well, if we put that £100 back in, we'll reorder more. Or what if we get a new T-shirt again? Because obviously those people have already bought that T-shirt. Um, and that's how it kind of grew. I mean, even Lloyd's dad, Loving, was like building us these fucking portable wardrobes uh, to take. Honestly, like when we were rolling up, because you were one of the only ones we didn't get to play with. We've talked about this before. Of We made a list of bands we wanted to play with. Yeah, and, it's weird. The Bastard this. Sons. Yeah. We just always kind of, we were in different spots. And I said this to Neil not so long ago on the phone. Yeah. He said, how can we have never played together? And I was like, weirdly, you were on our list. And that's the that's the God's honest truth. Because we yeah. made a list of like all the bands that we need to play with. Not we got to headline. Um, not like when we mm. were k- kids and it's like you, you're headlining your first two at the five people a night. Yeah, yeah. You're headlining. It was like, i done that. <laughs> our, our attitude was, yeah, bro. Well, our attitude was, let's go out. Let's play as many shows as we can, um, and it don't matter about the money. And I know that sounds crazy. That was literally our our plan. Just get out there, very old school, um, like Iron Maiden-esque and all the bands. Just play as many shows as you can. Because every show we were doing, something cool was happening after that. So it was almost that, well, well, something's bound to happen. Something's got to come from it. And and that would be Shane's kind of guiding light of well, look, you know, if we wouldn't have done that tour, that tour wouldn't have come about. Um, then we'd get offered another tour, and I think we went to for like fifty quid, or mm-hmm. um, and and like literally cost us that one show more than it was just incredible, dude. That's yeah. the only way I can explain it to you. Like, yeah, well, if we wouldn't have done that we wouldn't have like made connections with like hmv out there and then they start again behind the band. So ah, right. it, it, you know it, it all happens doesn't it man it's yeah.
1: like
0: you know it's, it's bizarre you're explaining this to any listener or anything it's like well why are they doing that but uh, you kind of got to get off your ass and really grind and and make it work for you you know yeah, yeah. some bands are lucky they play five shows in london and they're yeah. on tour with motley
1: crew Drum for the Song
2: podcast. Hi, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Drum for the Song. I just wanted to briefly interrupt the interview to tell you about my Patreon page, which is a place where you can support the podcast and, of course, support myself. You can um, sign up to one of the three tiers on there there's one that's £3 a month, one that is £5 a month and one that is £10 a month. There are loads and loads of exclusive benefits to signing up, including bonus episodes, merch discounts, Christmas card for myself. Um, If you sign up to the top tier, I'll send you a pair of my drumsticks. um, Loads of other stuff, so go check it out. It's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. And um, another way you could support me if you're interested, if you're not bothered about the Patreon thing, if you go to my official website, drumforthesong.com, you can send a donation via PayPal. So, um, yeah, thanks for watching this and enjoy the rest of the show. Drum for the Song podcast. We were not fortunate. We knew
0: we were up against this straight away and this is just the honesty card of, and this is where I respect my boys in the band and I love them to bits. We knew we were up against it. There'd be doubters or people go, Oh, they're not ready or, or how can't you be ready after that amount of time? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, we were confident in the songs. Just all we had to do was craft the, the show and being in a band together. And, and then it was beautiful. Like I've known Shane to play piano since we were children. And, um, like the record label Cold wind of, oh my God, she play piano. They wanted him to bust that piano out from day one and it was cool to strategize and hold it back and then we did the Steelhouse Festival and and out came the piano in this, this moment and that's what I'm calling it, it's a moment and yet again that leveled the band up again. Oh my God. Do you remember when Shane pulled the piano out for a Blink of an Eye? If we would have done it like other people's way, it would have just been thrown away. And I've seen it with other bands Sadly, It's like, oh, this is a bit where he brings on the piano. There's yeah. nothing special about it. Yeah. Um, it's just that that part. And that's what I was always trying to kind of convey in the background to orchestrate. I'm not trying to hold him back from doing that part. I think that part is is awesome. I I probably think it's more awesome than what you would. But there's a time for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's how we think as the crows now. Like, so you know, when you say about the sound, it's really hard to pinpoint the sound because we're already <sighs> the new stuff that we've just wrought. Um, it's different again, Dane. It's like it's just different, it's different. Yeah. Um, it's a different sound. It's, cool. it's mad. Cool. It's like it still sounds like the crows, it's, that's again who can't, but it, it is different, it is slightly different again. So But yet again, that's us enjoying the vibe or the song or there's a reason for it, which kind of came in COVID and stuff. And we were just like, well, just go with it. Rather than fight it, let's just fucking go with it. Like, do you know what I mean? And um, I think
2: that's what was really cool about it. Like, you know, so. Awesome. Well, so you obviously meant you kind of escape. you kind of uh, briefly mentioned it, that you got into the charts. So your, your second album now, Point of No Return. Yep. Number 14, the UK charts, right? It was absolutely insane. amazing. Absolutely amazing. Insane. So that was, was a, that, that was over this time last year, was it? You said
0: Ish. uh literally coming around to the anniversary now. Uh yeah. February, yeah, about just the beginning of February. Um, we went in at number three, Green Day were number one. Um, it charted midweek at number six. Wow. Um, but Unfortunately, we were in um, with some mighty competition. And when I say this, I mean, you know, it was like your Harry Styles, your Stormsies, your Lewis Capaldi, Billy Eilish had two records, or or, uh, somebody had two records in there. Um, Such a a weird week. Because yet again, man, Neil was speaking to me that week, and I don't speak to him all the time, but he just gave me a text. He went, dude, you're going to be in the charts. You're going to be in the top 10 now. I was like... How do you know that? <laughs> yeah, you get, you guess the, yeah, I love him. He's he got his, emails. he's got his, he's got his finger on the pulse. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but like, I was like, whoa, this is, this is real. Like, this is, yeah. And amazing. what I loved about it was, and you'll respect this, our release felt like a, an old school album release. You know, like back in the day, and I'm not saying it like I'm 80 years of age, it, most of your rock fans will know this. If you if there was a certain record out in W. H. Smiths or Woolworths or whatever, you you went down there, man, and you couldn't wait to grab it, and you 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 opened it up and you you looked through it, and you know what I mean? It was it was special. Yeah, It was like a modern day one of that. It was really weird. Everyone was posting their pictures up on um, up on Facebook, and it was just so interactive, and um, so yeah, it just became that like virtual release day um with a sold out tour as well because we've just come off the back of that that's great um i mean the venues as we were like jesus christ as we were booking them because i think we played with you um with your other project uh this in december that's it yeah, um, yeah. and then when we went off with the tour it was just kind of not orchestrated as well now i look back cuz the venues were selling out and like the manager at the time was like oh, i i i i didn't expect this and like fairly Shane, he was like well i did because we've uh, be been playing for the last two years and we yeah. played bigger rooms than us. So, um, and then yet again, when I was speaking to Neil and other p- people, they were going, how many you pulled in that place? And I was going, um, I think we're well over like 300, 400 now. And he's going, whoa. You know, he, yeah, it's he was big numbers, a, man. So it was like starting to grow. And then like KK's, I think that that went sold out, which was insane. like, um, you know, that's a big big ass room. like, And I think they... Um, that was one of the, 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 the the highlights or one of them of the tour, but like Manchester could have gone up again. Scotland were furious. I love Scotland. They were like, uh, we love the cat house and I've played the cat house. So have you in the past? Um, yeah, yeah, I I definitely did. Back in the day, it was kind of one of those gigs in the circuit, especially around, um, 2007. Um, but they were furious because they were like, you could have sold the garage out and that's how passionate the rock fans were. They were like you shouldn't be here. you should be in a bigger room. Yeah, um, yeah so yeah, it was it was a whole like it was just whirlwinding bro. And then we were on tour and then it was obviously like um a couple of things being changed um, and all of a sudden we did the live Nation deal nice. um, which was brilliant just on the literally towards the end of the tour we did the live nation deal. Um, which then followed up to um, signing with Ross Warnock um, with UTA. Nice. Um, and leaving – we were with ITB at the time. Um, but it just made sense. Ross came and watched the band. He just seemed to have the right vision, the experience. Um, and, and yeah, bang, he was just like, this is where I want to take you. And literally the next phone call off Ross was, you're playing Download. And yeah. we have been waiting – we been wanting to do it for 20 years, bro. It yeah. was like, he was like, yeah, you're playing download. Oh, okay. Um, and he was like, yeah, three times. Oh, wow. So we were like, so we did the, the VIP, um, on the Thursday, we did the dog test stage on the Friday. And then the boys did a, an acoustic set then in the Carlsborough stage on, on the Friday evening. Yeah. Um, and, and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, this can't get any better. um, And then we get another phone call and it's like, do you want to play download again? Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was like, well, what about the main stage? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But I was like, is that possible? We only just played it. It was like, yeah. Cause um, it just went so well. And like people couldn't get in the tent, dude. It was just like, it was overwhelming it was just like whoa what's going on you like you know there was we went for press afterwards and they were like we couldn't get in the tent there was like four four or five rows back outside the dog turfs and there's people like trying to walk around with and they had cameras and stuff to show crazy and they couldn't they couldn't get in through any entrance and i'm like this is everything you want as you know as a kid you're like yes this is this is it like so then it's like main stage and i'm no sorry it was like do you want to play download yeah and i'm thinking i'd said to shane watching Def Leppard, year, i was like right the next thing on the bucket list as i told you earlier next thing on the bucket list we got to play that main stage that's that's the bucket list now yeah and i said you know five six years time now that main stage that's that's where we're going and shane said i think we'll do it sooner than that. I was Like, all right, so you know, even Shane thinks thought it was like two, three years. Wow, yeah. Never thought it'd be the year after, nah. and and not even opening it. We were like, what? We were like four or five bands under Iron Maiden. It was like, what the floor. <laughs> <I know, yeah. laughs> <You're>
1: like so,
0: <laughs> so yeah, man, that's why like we were like in a in a bubble of this is this can't, this is incredible. This mm. is absolutely you know, you've got the, the strength of the tour. You've got the album charting. Now the, the, the downloads queued up. Um, Then there was other stuff leading up to it then. And it was like, oh, my God, things are going great. And then, bang, obviously, yep. COVID. Um, but it all we're all in it. And I, and I know every band says that, but it is the truth, dude. I mean, yeah. psychologically, we never even thought we could tell people about the download thing. Um until they said we were doing download TV in 2020 when they did the COVID special. Right. Um, Otherwise, we thought it would just be a a story I tell you off air now. As in, like, oh, dang, we were supposed to play uh, Download Main Stage, but don't tell anyone. But, no, it was, thank God, uh, Andy Coppin and Sean and all of that were like, no, you know, this band was supposed to be announced on the last... It was, like, literally the last announcement. Nobody knew, dude. I mean, we were on tour with... um, we were on tour and Mick Gaffney, um Mick Gaffney who um uh Stormbroken, uh he's there's tour manager. Oh, okay. And I couldn't tell him afterwards because he was going, Oh, I'd love to be working with you guys around that time because we had other stuff planned. But he said, Oh, I've got the, the, the download thing with Stormbroken here on the second stage. And obviously we knew at that point of like we got main stage yeah. and we can't we couldn't say anything to anyone. We were told like strictly, don't say nothing, yeah, 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 um, so then obviously, when we start doing the old podcasting and that, we're there every week as we are now, like look into this blankness and knowing there's people there and going, we were supposed to play under Iron maiden <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't say a thing, so thank God they came out with it, and we could do the whole like um we did a bit of a comedy spoof that um Ching came up with, and then they played our video, and then the cat was out the bag again, and brilliant th- Thankfully they signed us up for this year. I mean um I know it's rescheduled, but nobody knows do they do nah. I mean that's the audible thing, you know. It's not that there's no spoilers or anything like that. It's just
1: nobody everything's
0: knows. unpredictable. And with the recent announcement of Glastonbury, who, who knows now what's what's happening, in there? We're in
2: yeah.
0: we're in such unknown territory as as humans, never mind musicians. Yeah, yeah, what,
2: totally. Who, then, who
0: bloody knows, like?
2: Yeah. Uh, if it, well, I guess if it doesn't happen, at least you'll probably be able to do it next year. <laughs> but Possibly, I mean, it'd be yeah. It's you'd it's like to think they, yeah, I'm sure they'll try and keep the same lineup or whatever they booked.
0: I think but so. I, I mean, you know, we've 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 just booked a few the same as you now because I think you're doing Steelhouse because you've rolled it over.
2: Yeah, we, we've got loads technically yeah. booked for this year, but
0: which is the same as us. We weren't supposed to be doing Steelhouse, right? Um right. If we're talking like correct years, we were doing download main stage. You were doing Steelhouse, say, that year, for example. Right. And then we uh, the plan was to bring us the next year, and we would have been um, yeah. that, fa- that, that far up the bill or whatever. Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? Course. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, but obviously, life didn't turn out as it was. So we've ended up on the same bill as you know, but yet we're still on a download cycle. So, it's, it's, if everything happened, it's going to be a great summer. I mean, yeah, definitely. we joke about that as a band. If we take out all the negativity and the, and the thing, if it all went to normal tomorrow, what a summer! I mean, like, we've got your downloads, Rambling Man, um, your Steel Houses, and gigs all around that, which you know, normally in a band, especially when you start signing with like your Live Nations and uh, you normally do them in separate cycles. Um, yeah, so to have all crammed into one summer would just be like. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. Like, do you know what I mean? So yeah. well,
2: fingers crossed, yeah. there's still a bit of a hope that it might happen. I try to try and be positive, isn't it? That's,
0: yeah, man. Well there's a back for, the for a back up, I suppose, isn't it. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, uh,
2: that's the best way to look at it, like. Yeah, so so basically last year would have been epic if it had continued on the way it was going. It looked and, and hopefully that'll continue again. Like like you said, you're doing the Crowcast, which is keeping the fans engaged. And that's just getting more popular and more popular by the look of it. You can you can get that now on all the podcast apps. Am I right? Well, that
0: that wouldn't have happened.
2: No, it wouldn't have happened.
0: If, if, the, if everything didn't happen. Yeah. We always wanted to do it. Like I said to you at the top, I always wanted to look at something podcast-wise. But yeah, yeah. realistically, you know, out of COVID came Crowcast. I think this week will be episode 45.
2: Amazing, yeah
0: um it's mad dude you've been on there with your brother um we've had ruth jones on from gavin and Stacey. yeah i've been meaning and, to, and to watch that i want to watch that
2: I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a big Stella fan of what i watched them all it's back mad. in the day loved it
0: and like shane and myself are texan and now um it's just mad just brilliant absolutely brilliant shane has got a great relationship with her um that's because of crow cast i've made mates now like with um like johnny johnny came on who was who's was like obviously in svengali and uh and then you've got jimmy then who's doing the running punks and and, yeah. and they people so we've kept in touch with them and then you've got your like your mark mendoza's doug aldridge the names have been like, per- it's, like yeah. it's just it's incredible bro yeah. and it's like even the people we've got planned now for the next couple of months is like it's insane but it's a weird way of meeting them Um that's the only thing that's that's kind of bizarre. I mean, it's the same with you. There's gonna be guests that you haven't you've never met before. Yeah, most of them Um, I've never met, yeah. Yeah, so we treat it as like as if we're backstage or um it's just like I said, if if it wasn't for COVID, Crowcast wouldn't have happened. 2020 for us was still not a bad year because we still did the sold-out tour, we did the, the charts, uh which was brilliant. Yeah. Crowcast was born. Then we did a planet rock stream, which was just yet again something that you wouldn't even put that on a on a bucket list because you wouldn't expect to do it. Yeah. I mean, it was like playing playing to like War of the Worlds or something. Like huh, joining, really? you're in a dark room. We were in a dark room in Birmingham with all this production and stuff, and all you can see is little red lights. That's why I say the War of the Worlds kind of vibe. Um, and then you, you, you you're doing your big like big parts and the big crescendos. Drrr, bah, and there's no applause it was just so bizarre it's like a recording studio session but yet you're doing a performance it was it was just insane um yeah and I then you know. fast forward then and then we did the the rock blast so in germany to... right yeah bro i mean that, that's you know how many bands as you know and we both know i don't know how many managed in a pandemic to get their asses over to germany to perform to about 120 people who were in the room they couldn't they obviously couldn't sing along and stuff they wore masks throughout um and then we did this tv vibe there like you know has has really got us hookups now in germany i know you guys have been playing there for years but for us it was like yeah yeah. it was a great introduction and and people are like whoa you know and then it's brilliant because afterwards we were speaking to a lot of them and shane was like i just so wanted to just jump off stage and i wanted to and they were like, Well, you would have done that. And they he was like, Yeah, I, I tend to jump off a stage or I go and climb balconies or yeah. um and and like they were like oh my god so they're looking forward to us returning back over there with the you know a proper off the leash show like you know rather than uh you know you have to like the like Lloyd had to turn and face me uh, it was like it was just yeah it was because of the two meter rule out yeah, there and So they were really and, strict. That's good it's good to know they
2: were they were actually it was Stricter brilliant, brilliant
0: yeah. well organized, um, very manic. I mean, Jesus Christ! We had to like get to London forty-eight hours before. Have the old testing up in Harley Street, right? And then sit in a oh, sorry, go to the go in a hotel, which was bizarre because obviously you're staying yeah. in a hotel in a pandemic. So you're like, fucking hell, I haven't done this for ages. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Have the have it up the up the nose and down the throat. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was
2: hanging. I've not, I've not a test, so I don't. know. Everyone oh, said it's not very pleasant, but I've never had one. But um, it wasn't very pleasant. Nah. And then we, we all had that. We whistled back to
0: Cardiff, rehearsed, bombed down to Gatwick, and like as we'd bomb into Gatwick, we're we're all there waiting for the test results to come through before we've even like oh, got yeah. to Gatwick. And literally about half hour before we got to Gatwick, my phone pings, and it's like you you're negative and i'm like i got my test results I, yeah. i'm all right yeah. and like dave the dave the is like i oh, know i'm like what the fuck he wanted his first because he killed oh, first yeah. and added up the nose he was like oh i thought i'd have mine first like um and that kind of you didn't realize then like especially like being the first one back in it and it said the results oh shit this is intense now because there's not just the band of five. We took Kev Pap over who, who was helping us with the teching and stuff. Right. Um, so you've got five other messages to come through. And if one of them comes through positive, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um,
1: yeah. And
0: that's half hour before dude. And fair play to the label for, for hooking all of that up and obviously new management as well. Cause like, I think literally we had new management about four days before, five oh. days before. Nice. Um, And his first job was like, "Can
2: you help us? We're going to Germany." (laughs) Oh my god! So that's Ryan you're on about now. That is Mr. Ryan Richards. Which yet again, another thing in COVID. Yeah. Um,
0: nothing bad with the old manager. We still got a good relationship with Roy. Um, but we were, we were constantly like, if you imagine, I'm that guy of the band and Shane, I'll phone you every day. What are we doing? And it's like, dude, there's a, there's a pandemic. It's like, yeah, I know that, but what are we doing? (laughs) Well, There's not a lot I can do at the moment. Well, yeah, we could do this. We could do that. We could do this. We could do that. Uh, And like, I could tell maybe I was frying Roy's brain. Um, And then he's got his own issues because he owns his own venue up in Birmingham. So he's got a lot to deal with there. And in all fairness with the family and all his, all his stuff there we we just parted ways beautifully. You know, he's been with us for a long time. He believes in the band. He still believes in the band. Um, but he did say it's maybe time. Either me and Shane needed to kind of manage the band for a while, which he suggested yeah. until we come out of this shit storm and then maybe look for somebody to, to, to kind of take us on. Um, but instantly when Roy left, the phone started ringing. Uh, as you, you can imagine, the, the phone started ringing and then, it was like, hey, is that such and such can we set up a meet in? Yeah, wicked. And then a familiar text came through off off Ryan. I yeah. was like, hey, look, that's Ryan. It's um, happening, but it, <laughs> happening, but exactly. And um, we were joyed over that, to be honest, because the truth is, Ryan's always kind of been there from the start. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's always helped. He's always got a. He does it with any Welsh band, any band actually. So it's not even a regional thing you know, he's always got a... Uh, he'll always help you the best he can. like
2: Definitely, yeah. Um,
0: but his hands were tied the first time round because he was with Raw Power. And then, obviously, when he went with Future History, um, we had a great relationship with our manager, as in, like, personally. And, and Ryan never... He never wanted to do... A, like approach or, or ruin that he, he said that he was like look i just never wanted to kind of be that guy who who porched you or yeah um but when he did it. you the roy obviously departed he he'd give the message so we had a meeting with several people and and just ryan seemed the natural fit and his first job was Fuck, we're going to Germany dude you've got to help us get there and uh-huh. he was like right right okay okay right and um in all fairness since he's come in the band um it's just brilliant it's just like it's yet again. It's like having I say,ing since he's come in the band, because it's like having that extra band member who he, he he's been there, he's done it, he's worked with
2: definitely. Yeah, you,
0: you add him on your podcast yet again. Um, yeah, which go, I heard
2: that episode two and three for anyone who wants to go and check it out. <laughs>
0: yeah, and they're they're a brilliant listener. I I heard it yeah. myself, and you know we we've known Ryan for years, and I know like his pedigree of of like working under Rod and working with CJ, and then. Obviously, you know, prior to that being a manager and funeral and it was just like it was gold to us Um, and to have his his fingers on a modern approach as well. Because like that's what we wanted. We wanted somebody who, who, who could teach us yeah, um, what has changed in the industry. What do we what do like I need to be better at? And, and I'm not just talking drumming wise, like I'm so fixated on the business side. How can I be better towards the business side of it? And Shane's the same. And I think the other boys are starting to do that bit by bit now where they're going, oh, wow, that's a cool way of doing it. So we all change it to Ryan's way. And, and we've slowly kind of tied up the loose ends and started progressing in a, in a, in a new direction um, so much that yet again in a pandemic, we've been to the studio, we've recorded a new track. Um I can say all that to you now because I know by the time this goes out, yeah, It's right. not as fine as put
1: it on a store
0: so I be I won't be doing, that. Yeah, we'll be doing we, that. Um brand new tracks coming out called Sick of Me. Nice. Um that's that's why I said it's like a different vibe, dude. It's like um, you know, for any drummers listening to this, it's not like uh, my best drumming in the world. There's no um it's all about the song. Cool. Drumming for the song.
1: There so all,
0: it's all it's all about the song it's about the groove um little parts here and there little pockets where they need to be um but it's all about the hook of the vocals and the and the feel of the song nice um but yeah we managed to get into a studio record so we did that with Ramesh. Oh, cool. um well yeah because you know we're gonna re-release yet again another exclusive few by the time this comes out um Ooh. we're gonna re-release point of no return because it's the anniversary of
2: yeah um makes because sense. you've
0: got to think we we put that record out gets in the 20 brilliant um but it hadn't gone to other countries and stuff there were certain things which not a lot of people knew that um there was a lot of like issues at the time and it, it just it only hit uk right so this is just more of a, a deluxe um a deluxe edition which we love uh we've been in a studio several times now actually we we went and recorded a brand new track with Ramesh. And then we went in with Tim. Have you met Tim who works with Ramesh? Very cool guy in Cardiff. No, does a lot with so. WWE. Um, with, uh, yeah, yeah. And he uh, does a lot with Junior. Uh, oh, right, okay. With Junior. Um, so we, we just did um, some acoustic tracks with with, with Tim. Um, so yet again, there's just extra content on the record, making that, you know, more bang for your buck. Um and and just something that we can celebrate the release of it rather than oh fuck, do you remember that, that record that got buried in 2020? Like, do you know what I mean? So Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I know I, you mean you know. That's what I feel about I don't want that to happen to the record that The Bastard Sons just released because obviously yeah. we haven't toured it, we haven't gigged it, we haven't done anything with it. And like and it was a good album, so it's kind of like I don't want that to be that forgotten album that we never did a proper cycle for and stuff. So well, yeah, it's a good I idea. idea. the
0: same thing, man. I mean, yeah, you know, release I'm pretty sure like Todd might be thinking of it or you might want to suggest it and say, yeah, you know. Good idea. That. <laughs> well, yeah. it is, too, because it's such a shame. This is our art. Like, you know, this yeah. is what we do. You spend so much time doing it. Um, and like I said, we did have a fortunate. Both of us kind of put records out, um, but equally didn't have the shot that they could have potentially had. Like, um, for example, I know... We had stuff following up on the point of no return, but none of that will will ever know how we how we kind of happened because we're have, not in that. They could transition. have spiraled and
2: spiraled, and you know, yeah, you could have got to such a elevated stage potentially. Yeah, you, but you never got the chance.
0: Yeah, so. and and as people discovering the record now, like like I said earlier, you know, whether it be Ruth. Uh, uh, bands who've been on the po- on the crowcast, yeah, um, and they've yeah. gone. Oh, I checked your record out today. They, they hadn't checked it out before. So there's there's still so many people, the same as your record, where that audience hasn't heard it yet. Yeah. And then we got to look at the facts of, like Ryan said, there was uh maybe not enough attention maybe to certain areas which could have been improved as in like the digital market and stuff and yeah that's all above my pay grade like we were talking well, earlier on spotify stuff that's um, a massive
2: thing in it nowadays the spotify advertising i'm not a clue playlists and all i'm that.
0: got a clue but that's why that's <laughs> why we got a that's why we got a ryan richards because it's yeah. his job now to kind of go well that's what they were and this is what they need to be and this is how I need to grow them and that's that's the beautiful thing about having somebody on who's and it's great for him as well because it couldn't have come at a better time because he's been on board for all of that happening so he hasn't had to like I don't know like almost jump on somebody else's work he's managed to now like go well I can make this as part of my my work you know I can actually put something into this and and, and kind of get it to where it needs to go. Like, you know, so yeah. that that's the beautiful thing about it. So, yeah, it's working really well with Ryan. And like I said, obviously, it's got the football in common with him and, yeah. and the wrestling as and the well. wrestling. So what more can you want from your manager? Yeah,
2: yeah. I was, was going to say, like, I know, I know you're into wrestling. And, like, it's one of the things that I've looked forward to, you know, once a month or every week is catching up with it a little bit on my day off. Like what? What kind of stuff have you been watching? For any other listeners that are into the wrestling, you you mainly WWE or it, do you watch it all and no? AEW uh, yeah. and
0: WWE? Yeah. So it's um, I got to admit, I've become a little bit lazy with the Monday Night Raw thing. So I'll tend to listen to a podcast uh, to catch up on that. Only because like. I don't know for the last couple of months it haven't really had the, the story right in this mm. kind of, you know, yet again for anyone watching or listening to this, I know it's fake. Okay. But
2: yeah,
0: just before they go oh, no, yeah. Yeah, I, I was know. enjoying that before they started thinking of wrestling real, like, you I know. Know. Um, <laughs> but, but there is an art of telling a story. Um, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm invested in that. I've been invested in that since I was a kid, um, I found there was a big period of life where I was a closet
2: wrestling fan. Um, yeah, you almost it's,
0: didn't want to say.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a little bit embarrassing at some point. So in some circles, yeah. you know, you're a grown man watching wrestling. But then I kind of realized so many other people are into it. And when I noticed, I did that Jericho Cruise thing, and like everyone was like my age. So I'm like, I'm obviously not alone in this. <laughs> And that kind of was spurred no. me to get back into it because I I didn't really. There was a few years where I hadn't really, apart from watching WrestleMania or maybe maybe Royal Rumble, I hadn't really kept up with it. But at that doing that cruise got me straight back into it, and like I watch the AE, AEW Dynamite every week, and I try and watch the WWE yeah. pay per views. I can't keep up with the Raw and SmackDown thing. It's too I have not got enough time for that. But but they they it's sum it up well, don't they? Yeah, they yeah, sum it up well on the pay per view. So any storylines you need to know, they make you watch a five minute video before the match. It tells you it all. So they'll do. They'll do for me. They'll do for me. And they're really, they're really well made. So
0: um yeah, do. they are really. That, that's something that they've always managed to do, and they still do it like supreme. In all fairness, yeah. Um, the production um, but yeah, is amazing. D- you're not alone. There are many of us out there. Um, But yeah, man, and it's really relevant to the topic as well because. There was a lot of lot of time, like, I was watching wrestling, like like I said, closet fan. And then I remember one day Ryan was having a tattoo and he was having, like, the WWF logo oh, was um, done. And I and I was like, ah, oh, cool, dude. I was like, oh, you like wrestling, do you? And he was like, yeah. And it was that whole, like, cool, um, do you still watch it? How much do you like, like it? <laughs> yeah, how much do you like the wrestling? Um, and then I found that he liked it. So it was almost like I just... It was a coming out of like geekness of going, yes, excellent. I love Wes. And then it was like fucking excitement then of like telling him all about how much I love wrestling. And yeah. then, he, <laughs> then he was telling me how he went to WrestleMania with funeral. And, and he did. All, I was like, no way. And it was just like, so ever since then, I've kind of broken the, the webs of like, it's uncool. And yeah, if I anything don't... now, yeah. there's more rock bands and metalers who love wrestling. Like you said, Dane, yeah. um, which the wrestlers find is incredible, like because they're obviously fans of rock stars, for example, of course, or like yeah. rockers. So then, when they get these, you know, dudes coming up, and I'm like, uh, with the, with your the wrestling t-shirt on, which I have many, yeah, they um, they'd they're a bit taken back by that, going, "Oh my god!" Like, you know, I I love his band, and so there's a mutual thing. But yeah, I'm so, I'm too invested when I drive my wife insane. Okay. So I I listen. When I'm doing any admin work, whether it be for the band, I've always got a wrestling podcast on. So I never miss a beat, really. It's very rare. Even when I went on holiday, I promised the wife not to put the phone on because it's family time. Yeah. But what I did was, like, every Tuesday morning, I quickly put my phone on, download monday night raw podcast like uh, the one i listen to which is uh, uh wrestling inc in america right and then right. quickly download that with like maybe a bit of jericho or something else and then like literally then i just sit there and catch up on it audio like like we were talking about yeah. it just seems to be which is really cool because like me and you now breaking down a whole episode of raw
2: yeah um i'd love to do it know, actually <laughs> yeah well <laughs> these be good fun
0: these guys do it it's amazing dude it's yeah. like I'm so invested in it. If anything, if they miss a week, I'm like, no, which they never arguably do, but yeah, yeah. um, because I I I count on that on the road. Cause I'm like, you know, that's why I, I'm so invested in podcasts as well. Cause I'm like, that's where I get my wrestling news from. That's where I get all the rundowns and the breakdowns of the matches. Yeah. And then also you get the behind the scenes goss. Of like um, what maybe what was like I don't know a real inju- injury or a,
2: a yeah, certain spot a gone point.
0: wrong because sometimes yeah, you don't know
2: re- if it's real or like, things like that even though wrestling is fake sometimes yeah. they do really hurt themselves or sometimes they pretend they really hurt themselves and yeah and the whole and the whole point is sometimes you don't know if it's real or not and that's what's good about it because well, they make it really believable <laughs> a good wrestling
0: show and this is from a fan and I think there's many people out there who will say the same remarks and stuff is like, for me, the art of wrestling is if I am sitting there in my thirties going, Oh my God. Or I I'm like really invested in a, in a, in a storyline. Yeah. It's because they've blurred, they've blurred that, that, that reality. Uh they've they've managed to blur that like what is real, what isn't real. That's true, yeah. And they've yeah, and I love that. If they can make you do that with a good storyline and then a really cool match, a really good put together match, um, that you forget it takes you out of the vibe of anything else. You just mm. kind of invested in that. To me, that's that's winning. And like Roman Reigns is doing that for me at the moment. I gotta admit, as a as a WWE character, he's I love this new transition into the heel. Yeah, um, it's pretty pretty cool. It's very dark. It's very like the tone that he speaks and stuff. I love that. Um, Paul Heyman being like, you know, queued up with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, But then if you go to AEW and stuff like that, I really like a lot that's going on there. There's a lot of it kind of like, I know it's come from the independents that I don't get. Um, because I, I have been to some independent shows, um, thankfully, thanks to friends who took me. Cool. Some of it I, I find a bit weird because I haven't gone to enough. So I find it a bit like bubblegum or a bit over the top, or like they're dressing up as gamers and stuff. And I'm like, I don't get why why are they doing that? If he's if his character is he's a policeman, he's a policeman. Um,
2: but like you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like I don't yeah. know. I just you tell I'm fucking mad for it, dude. Yeah, and, yeah, man. No, it's good. it's good. Um it's just something. I Knew that you had in common with me, but look, it sounds like you. I'll have to check out some of the podcasts. I do listen to the Jericho one, but it's because Wrestling Inc. is brilliant, wrestling
0: Inc. wrestling, because okay. it's um, it's been going for years and it's got um, a guy on it called Matt Morgan, which um, he used to be the blueprint in TNA. He was like this six foot, uh, he was in WWE back in the day, but no one okay. really remembers him. Right. He had a bit of a stutter, one of his characters was. Um, so he was never like a main main kind of character or like a, a main event star. Yeah. yeah but in, yeah. T, in TNA and when I call it TNA, like the good years of TNA when it was um, like when Hogan came back and, and it was um, the whole like Ric Flair, Hogan, uh, Kurt Angle. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. They had kind of a, they had a massive AJ Styles, uh, beer money, um, there was like a really cool roster there in TNA at one point. And they were kind of starting to make waves towards WWE. The ratings were up and stuff. And there was yeah. a real hardcore fan base support in TNA at that point. Matt Morgan was on there and he kind of breaks down Raw and SmackDown and AEW on um, on certain days. And like I said, especially when you're in a band, you're in a van, it's just cool to yeah. slam them in New Year's. So now- uh, Jericho isn't really a breakdown of, of, of wrestling. It's more no. of like what, what well yourself. Um, and then, you know, you've got other, other cool ones. Then I listen to whether it be, uh, Wade Keller or, um, yeah, I just, I, I'm, as you can tell, I'm like way yeah. over the top with it. Like, like my wife is just like, Oh, of the bloody wrestling podcast. Uh,
2: my, my wife's not into it. She don't really, she doesn't really understand why I like it, but, um, so I, I can attend to watch you when she's not about, or when she's at work, she works from home at the moment. So like she's on, The top floor and i'm just i'll try and watch it as i went as quickly as i can but yeah but um yeah i don't i don't think she i don't know she came to she came to one of the cardiff shows with me and she kind of half enjoyed it but i think she said i don't think i'd come again which is a shame because it'd be nice to enjoy it with her but um like my brother like tyler's into it todd not so much but tyler my brother's into it and i got a few other mates who are big into it so um You know, I'd you know one of my one of my life goals is to like go to WrestleMania, and I think. I want to make it oh. all happen. I can, I might even just make it happen the next time that I'm. You can
0: make it happen, dude. I mean, Ryan's yeah. been nagging me. He, he he was trying to take me a couple of years ago. I can't remember the one. He said, "Oh, you should come," and that was before he was like managing the band or anything. That's what I mean. We've been kind of mates. We were wrestling buddies. Yeah, yeah. Um, for years, we just he just pinged me over. If it wasn't for Ryan, I wouldn't have known about like New Japan or or anything like that. Or yeah. even Ryan was kind of like, "Dude, are you checking out this AEW stuff?" And she always kept me like interested in in that vibe um but yeah me and him have been like plotting now because obviously this year's wrestlemania is 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 not is no go the next one's yeah. in texas and then the one after that's in la so Ooh. um but Ooh. i'd love to go to texas and i would love to go to la but i also want to go to a royal rumble That's on oh, my bucket yeah.
2: list that would be cool yeah that would oh, be awesome man,
0: it's just like they you know they're sick and they're like you know it's just the atmosphere of it and you know, it's like my, my kids were always invested into wrestling, but now they're teenagers. Um they, they just they've fallen in love with other stuff, like yeah. you know, whether it be football or like my other boy's a gamer. Yeah. um, so he's like flat out gaming. Uh, my other boy's really athletic, so he's he's cool. flat out into that. My daughter's moved out. Um, she still shows some interest in in um in wrestling. Um it's nice now and again. We do go to Cardiff and um we we go as a family and we'll nice. watch it live. Yeah.
2: That's good because
0: it's just something I've always done. For I'm like, do you know what I mean? Like you know, whether my boys will will ever admit it, they were both like Cena. Um, they were both Cena marks. Like they'd have all the headbands and the t shirts. Yeah, and they'd be there, you know, never give up and all of that. While I was there, going, if you smell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, different, gen-
2: different generations, like slightly, because like yeah, yeah it was the, the, when Cena was the massive style that was when i'd kind of gone off for a bit like i knew who he was mm-hmm. i just uh, that's when i was like wrestling's not cool i can't watch wrestling so i, I didn't yeah. i literally didn't watch it for like I know, it might have been close to 10 years or something like that yeah a long long time and then and then i kind of did the Jericho cruise i was like this is bloody brilliant and like athletically they're all it's gone Gosh. up a notch now isn't it compared to back then and it's like we had your hardy boys which were incredible and still are but like yeah. That was kind of like, I was into all that stuff. And now like some of the tag matches you watch, all the flips and it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. That's what I like. And like you said, the storytelling of it all, but I, I quite like the physical. Well, you like all the high spots athletic and stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I'm that was, into that. That was just like loads of spots. Um, it's a bit overkill sometimes and maybe less realistic is. sometimes with the false finishes and yeah, and all that. <laughs> Um, That's why
0: I'd like a bit of both. I mean, yeah. I fine. always go back, go back to the days where like Jacob Snake, if he put you in a DDT, you wouldn't be kicking out of that. Yeah. But if you... you did, there'd be some serious like pops in the crowd. Like, do you know what I mean? It'd just be like, Oh my god, Hogan kicked out of a DDT. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Because it would have been such a big thing to kick out of a a power move, your finisher, like, do you know what yeah. I mean? That's the only thing I wish they would kind of Bring back slightly. Um, yeah. AEW, I do love AEW. I think like the young bucks are phenomenal, and Kenny, he's he's just well, it's Kenny Omega, he's brilliant. Yeah, um, easy. But I do find it can be a bit over the top sometimes, where I'm like, Jesus Christ, as does he end, literally to end a, the match. Yeah, as he <laughs> literally got to pull out a weapon, like and and kill him. Um yeah. Because it's just a bit over the top, otherwise, you know what yeah. I mean? Especially like some of the moves, man. I just saw like finisher anyway. I think that's just what I did. The drama where I miss like, you know, yeah. like um, and the undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. It don't even have to go back to the nineties or whatever. It's, it's more like the undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. When like Shawn Michaels uh, put his career on the line, there was that match, man, you were on the edge of your seat, your hands were sweating. Cause you were like, Oh, I thought that was it. Then I thought Shawn <laughs> Michaels was gone. Yeah. Um, and then it's the drama of, Oh my God, he didn't kick out that. That's it. That's his career gone. And, and, and some of that kind of gets lost now because it's almost like, oh, he's just going to jump off a 20-foot cage. He's going to land on his head. Where in real life, if I did that, you're going to hospital. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, 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 now he gets back up. Pound, 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 pound. All right, let's give him another four finishes. Um, and then finally, what? Well, you know, he just has like a feeble close line, and that's it. That's the match over. And it's yeah. like, oh, it's... I don't know, they, they kind of over... The over kind of reach a crescendo that's that's the best way it's almost like the story's there the match is brilliant it's brewing and that should be it and just go that little bit that that little bit too far where you're like oh but there's still some cool there's still some really cool stuff um i mean last year i popped for like i think edge came running out in the royal rumble Um, oh yeah 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 and i think that's the first year i i run around my living room um (laughs) I was just like, oh, How old oh, are you? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you know, and I I don't care about saying nah, that because nah. it's like whatever gets you off. And like for me, wrestling is just like it's it's my away from life, my my soap opera, my. Yeah, my, it replaces that like,
2: uh, for me. I I don't watch soap operas, but I do watch wrestling and I don't think there's that much difference apart from they're all amazing athletes. and
0: Exactly you know. that. And the yeah, characters yeah. or if they make you laugh, if they make you Whatever, like, you're angry or I hate him. Even I, just so you hate one
2: of them, you invested. Well, they, yeah, and that's the whole point. Yeah. They, they want you to hate them. That's the whole bloody point of it. Yeah. And that's half the skill involved. But anyway, enough about wrestling, because I know not all my listeners are going to be into it, but I'm glad we had this conversation. <laughs> and, uh, and as Chris Jericho would say, as we start to wind down now, he says that yes. on every episode, I noticed. Let's talk a little bit about what drum gear you're using, because I know you... Got to deal with Tama, yes. And I'm not 100 sure on the rest. Zildjian symbols, are right? No, no. Um,
0: I have got Zildjian symbols, but right. I'm 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 still I'm I'm like that's what you use. down right. But yeah, that's what you I use, use, yeah. Yeah, I use Zildjian symbols. So I got uh, that that, but now is my main kit. That's for for touring or for for studio as well. That's the 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 Tama Star Classic Maple. Lovely. um So it's a beautiful kit. Um, 10, 12. 13 16 18 um the reason why i do that is like what i said earlier so i can have multiple setups so if i want to kind of make it more grungy um i can do that like 13 tom in front yeah uh, 16 and an 18 floor tom if i need to or as i've got set up in the background uh, for those who are watching and not listening yeah um, that's true I've, i've just kind of put a 10 there um or sometimes i might put a 10 or 12 and just play with the 16 um so it's just kind of like I said I think it just makes you more versatile I watched um, Matt from periphery do a drum clinic um, and that was one of the things I took home from that drum clinic it was in uh, drum depot and he, and he basically turned around and said like don't be afraid to change your setup because you can just become too complacent on where your hands go no yeah, um, that's true yeah and I'm very much um i just kind of like to mix it up and and what will happen is if you put something in its place that's a different sound a different texture a different tone so straight away that's a different fill that's a different a different go-to like do you know what i mean so yeah um so yeah so that's kind of the the, the main shells 22 kick um i used to play a 24 but i find like the i don't know if you've done it yourself um i geared up and i went to a 24 uh but I didn't realize until I was kit sharing on the road and I went back to a 22, my better performances were on a 20, 22, yeah, um, yeah. even, a, you... even a 20 in all fairness, because yet again, I'm not a tall drummer. Um, I feel like if I'm planting that bass drum and I'm, I'm over the top of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just seem to have a lot more kind of control, um, especially with the pedal I've got as well. Cause I've got a, a Tama speed cobra all right yeah um it's beautiful dude and it's like a long board i know um, that one, yeah so the way that my foot kind of shuffles back and forth um is perfect to play off like you know um uh and then the snare drum is a slp um which got given to me by Tama. um oh, lovely so 13 all oh, right by by seven cool um, very different. So prior to that, I used to like a my go-to was a fourteen by eight. Um, so I'm very much of the D- Dave Groll school of deep snares. Yeah. Um, so that's my like. I th- I think like for me personally, I love deep snares. I love ones um, right, Yeah. But when I asked, um. I asked Ian when I was up in Tarma, um I, He said, oh, what snare do you use? And I, I told him what I used at the time. Obviously, it was off-brand, um, which I think actually it was a Gretsch. Um, I said, oh, I'd like a 14 by 8 And he was like, oh, why don't you try this? So we tried this little pocket rocket, as I call it, which huh. when I when I hook up with you next, I'll bring it so you can have a... Oh, cool. It's so cool, dude. It's got... It's so cool. Like, the way, way I tune it as well. So it's got, like, that mid-range... But it's the 13 by seven. So it's just got that. I don't know that. For me, like I said, growing up in a grunge era and stuff with your pearl jams and your, it's just got that sound, that sound garden vibe of da duck. You just, you just know when it kicks in with the, with the, with the bass drum. It's perfect. Like, Um, cymbals, 14 inch A customs. Um, I'm starting to switch up cymbals now because you're never too, um never too old to learn um so I normally like my symbols really big um so i 'll always have like an eighteen or a nineteen on the left, whether that be a dark thin crash zilgen, or um an eighteen maybe um a custom um so it 's got that still that nice thin sheen to it yeah um, but then maybe I might have like um a, <clears throat> a sixteen just off it on the left hand side sometimes. And then my main crash, um, my crash ride, whatever your your main crash would normally then be around a twenty inch.
2: Yeah, um, it's kind of what so, I, similar to what I use. Yeah,
0: yeah, but a twenty inch. It used to be a twenty inch a custom, but because I haven't got the deal with Zildjian, and obviously I was like, I, I spoke to Brett, and and like he was going, dude, you're just you're destroying your symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, he put me on a Zildjian Sweet Ride. Oh yeah, I used to have one of them. Really good. Yes. So it crashed rides, didn't it?
2: It does, yeah. Um, that's but, why I had it, yeah.
0: Ah, right. Well, I I obviously that was like strange territory for me. Uh. So that's that's become my so it's a twenty-one um yeah, twenty one inch
2: sweet ride, yeah. I used yeah. to use that in straight lines and stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, it and it, you, it cuts it cuts through, it's nice and you know, you got the, the texture there. Yeah, and then I use a twenty two K ride. Cool. Um, beautiful uh, I think a lot of drummers are starting to use that ride now as well especially Zy- zildjian players um the tone off like the 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 bell uh is stunning for me and then I fluctuate between a um oriental uh I've got a oriental crash um China sorry China crash
2: yeah
0: um but that's about a 20 inch and I also like an
2: efx as well I don't know if oh, yeah. them. I used to have one of them but it didn't last very long unfortunately
0: they yet draw, again, they do that like spider thing, you know, where they have little cracks and yeah, and they're like oh, and then it frizzles rather than. But the reason why I love that symbol, I mean, yet again for any drummer listening or watching, is like um, I just found that they had a texture. They weren't they
2: weren't a china. Yeah, it, a was, it was it was that's why I, that's what drew me to them. I think I, I think I watched Taylor Hawkins use one first. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I want one of them, <laughs> and yeah. I bought one, and it was cool. I used it. I think at the time I used it instead of a china. But then, in my setup at the time, I was using Zildjian Customs medium crashes and stuff. It just—it was so much more quieter than the rest of the symbols. So it depends where you're using it with. And whereas I was used to having that big, loud China, it kind of like—it was like it was like it didn't give me the effect I kind of wanted it to. But I guess it's maybe good to kind of ride on and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, cool in between crash and china symbol but i think it was just quite because i was using the heavier ranges of the a custom ranges it was just quieter than all them and i didn't expect it to be i thought it would blend a bit better but um i still got it it's just got about five cracks in it somewhere
1: (laughs)
0: yeah i mean if i if i an endorsement with with them tomorrow i would want one um but i would probably choose to use it studio um or certain like it would have to be like maybe tv work and stuff because i understand what you're saying but there i found um for example we used to have an old song it's not on any record at the moment it was on like a, an original like um release that we did called one of these nights but there was a really cool break very fool fightery kind of rock and roll and and i just remember like the you know when i when i did it that would be my go to that EFX. it would yeah. be that uh, and i'd be like riding off it and and i broke two that mm. that's and it would only be that bloody song because it just felt like the energy was there in the middle eight of that song and i'd always go to the EFX, and i knew like i can't keep doing it so i think the i haven't got it set up actually on the on the kit at the moment um i think that the one i've got but there is even broken of it Right. um which yet again i decided oh, i'm not going to replace it um and then i went to the oriental which i think um the guys at drum depot um suggested cool. and it seems perfect it adds that texture but it's what i said to you early on really what i've started doing with the symbols because we've done a lot of tv work lately as in like the streaming and i'm starting to kind of downgrade like the sizing of the symbols um
2: and especially recording like yeah that's definitely a good technique for recording smaller i didn't know my, that thing my brother prefers I'd... smaller cymbals thought you just turn up with your
0: cymbals yeah and rock, rock and roll isn't it is, you don't know have yeah. the
2: luxury do you, to choose but, if you, you just use where you got normally but like um yeah but he always t- he always tries to get me to put the smaller ones yeah. on if possible um, and the
0: thing is you think at first, oh, I don't know about this now. I don't want them sounding like splashes and stuff like that. But then when you go behind the desk and they've put all the compression, they've done everything they need to do, they yeah. they sound like an 18 or a 20 anyway. Yeah, exactly. Totally, I mean. so yeah, like yeah. um you can make them so sound like that. That taught me that because yet again, thanks to Moose and all fairness, when I went into recall point and no return with um Clancy, it was Colin Richardson and um Andy Sneep. Yet again, Moose had given me like multiple snare drums to help get the tones. And then the cymbals were 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 critical because like I remember Colin Richardson. Obviously, he's recorded everyone from slipknot to bloody um uh bring uh, machine head. Um oh, wow. so, he's, so he's he's got like quite a array of like bands. Yeah, yeah. And like as soon as I got my cymbals out, he was like, Have you got anything smaller? Um and I was just like why and then thank god like moose had given me this symbol bag of like spare stuff and there was like 14s and 16s and oh, stuff nice, in there. nice um and i was like oh well moose has given me these and i'm thinking he's gonna kind of bum them straight off and he was like nope he was like that's amazing and then andy sneep went into his collection because he's dude it's like if you ever go to andy steep studio it's, Is it? it's phenomenal it's like Wow, because it's not like a on the market job, as in, like, you 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 kind of either go there through a mutual friend or uh, you get invited there, and and he's just got so much gear, like, even like Megadeth's old drum kit. And, and obviously, he at the time he was guitaring with Judas Priest, so you know, Travis's setup would be like, it just be there, like, do you know what, what? I mean? It'd just be like, yes, yeah. so you'd be like, oh, <laughs> this is incredible. So like, for me and you as drummers, yeah, you're yeah. like, So he was, like, mixing all the drums to get that perfect drum sound, you know, whether it be a DW that was on the road with whoever. It didn't matter who it was with. It was the skins that were on there and how how it was blending with the other drums, and equally as important with the cymbals because he he brought out two identical 16-inch A-customs, yet when you put them under the right microphone, they sounded completely different. It was mad.
2: That blew my mind. I I was just like, whoa, that's... That's one thing. Like, I th- I'm not sure if I talked about it before, because I remember, like, when I was using Zildjian, I used Zildjian for a few years, and I used yeah. to, I did really love them. I loved how they sounded, and then I, like, I broke one, and I bought an exact, well, I bought the same one again, brand new, same model. And as soon as I put it on a kit, I was like, that don't sound like my old one. Sounds completely different. And that's when, and then I've since then I've learned a lot of people said they're not as consistent um which, which maybe that's what most brands are like but um the, yeah kind of like put, it didn't put me off but like I have always wanted to use pasteinan and now that's what I use now and but one of the things they they before before they put symbols out to market they have like a man who tests them for consistency and if one doesn't sound the same it goes back and they melt it down and start again so wow. that, that's that's really that's one thing that's they they kind of like That's one of the selling points is that if you're going to buy a replacement symbol, it's going to sound 99% exactly like your old one, basically. That's what I've learned. Yeah. yeah, I I think I watched it on like some documentary, like the making of Pisces symbols. And that's, it's really cool because when you're used to hearing that particular tone for like a year or six months until you break it, and then you've won that again and you can't find that again, that's really frustrating. You just spent 300 quid on a new crash symbol and then it, thinking it's going to be the same and it's not the same but yeah for, so from a recording point of view yeah i can imagine you have two symbols of the same model they're not going to be the same but hopefully with pasty, apparently they are yeah so that's a good point
0: i i didn't know that and yeah. and, and yet again like i've always been a like my dad used pasty like, oh, back go. in the day he had like proper vintage proper vintage pasty symbols well, yeah. like you know yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: and yeah, it was proper old school, and I broke them all. Obviously, as you time like like, <laughs> I'd be, like pinching them out, pinching them out out of his like drum room. I'd be like, "Oh, wicked!" And then obviously, I take it to practice and go, "Oh shit,
2: I've split there." Uh-huh. Um,
0: so it was like, "Yeah, they like I went down as I was going to say, "Yeah, they had yeah, like, very
2: jazzy thin symbols, and very small. They, they're not meant to be walloped, are they?"
0: <laughs> well, he used seven A's, dude. You know, so yeah, yeah. like very thin,
1: thin
2: like yeah.
0: pencils, like almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was just like, so you know, I, I, I've i been watching yourself playing those, and uh, there's a drummer called which I've got quite friendly with, uh, Adam Breeze, which I think is on your brand as well. Oh, cool. Um, he plays with a band called Rave Rave and I, and he, he does a lot of session stuff as well, I think. But I know the band, I just Raving noticed it, yeah. like obviously. Yeah, and when I viewed your sound and his as well, I'm you know, it's something that maybe I might have to look at, but hmm. it's just Zildjian It's just something that I I don't know, I've always just I've always spent my money on Zildjian. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like there was a time in 2008, I got endorsed with um Istanbul and Alchemy.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um yeah. I never used those.
0: But yet yeah, yeah. again, I <sighs> nothing against the brand and, and there's no like um there's no bad bad thing or anything they looked after me great deal i had with them when i was doing the misconduct thing but it was kind of it wasn't what i wanted to play mm. and i i went for a symbol that number one the deal was fantastic and they were looking after me but i went over i went over the deal rather than the sound and for me now unless i sat there with like your brand now all on my on my kit Maybe I might be happy and go, "Oh my god, why haven 't I ever used these before? The mm. problem is that 's a lot of money in, in, of to course. invest in a completely new brand, so you know unless i don 't know your dude turned around and said, "Oh,'ll send him a load of symbols if he loves them, then obviously yeah. I can charge him a fortune but yeah. um that 's the hardest thing we don 't get that opportunity and i don't much that. much as I love going to drum Depot, you never really have that you you need to go on your own, don't you? You know my vibe, but you're maybe yeah, you, I don't yeah. oh, maybe you're different. I always no, I know what you mean. when you're in a shop and they go when they go, Oh, just try it, you always go, Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And you yeah. either buy it just because you just want to get out of there, or you just you go, Oh, I'll come back and you just don't wanna like overplay it or or oh, if they put yeah. it on a drum kit, especially being in a drum shop, you're like, ah, oh, oh no.
2: I know I, to I've not, a
0: drum solo. Right
2: <laughs> yeah, I've I've never been confident in that in those situations. And oh. I guess, yeah, it's a bit weird. Like even when I, I went into drum chapel, I think it was last year or year before. I wanted to buy my old man an electric drum kit for Christmas. Me and me yeah. and the boys, like, and I was like, I trying a few out. And I just felt and like you know Jiffy there, he's amazing. Do you know Jiffy? Yeah. Oh, DJ? he's just he's a brilliant. He's incredible. Drummer. Brilliant and I was, like, drummer. And he was like, he hooked me up, and I was like, I don't really want to play in front of him, like <laughs> I was just embarrassed. for yeah. Um, yeah, I felt like that. Like it's it's weird. I'm just like ability. neither
0: have I, dude. And hmm.
2: then like two
0: two totally different scenarios by you. I know you and I feel comfortable around you. But if you were Dane that work now for Brett and Mark down in drum Depot, and I was like, hey Dane, I'm gonna pop down and I wanna look at XYZ. I would still have that feeling, even though I feel comfortable around you. Yeah. It's something yeah. about, and I can't explain it. And I love the boys. I love the Boy, de- oh, They're so welcoming and everything. Yeah. But I always feel like I would have to, like, show you my abilities. <laughs> do you know, know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I don't know what it is, dude. I clam up there. I go, sh- I go, like, a real shit drummer, as in, I don't know, I'm starting to choke the sticks. and And I'm overthinking everything I would do. Yeah. Um, I just it's a weird thing, like it is weird, then, yeah.
2: It's hard to describe but if you
0: were on tour now and you were like, Hey, Ronnie's gonna fly out or whatever, and 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 if you are in sound check and you were like, Check out my new kit, I'd have no problem like jumping on your kit and having a little tinkle of it and like yeah. hanging out with you and that that whole buddy thing, but it's just weird. You put the, the same bloody drum kit, the same person, um, in a drum shop, <laughs> and I literally
2: feel I'm not I'm not worthy is is Wings World. It's like I'm not worthy. I'm, yeah. No, I, I it is, well, you just know everyone works there as a drummer and then pre- yeah. presumably most of the, 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 the customers who are in there are drummers. And if someone's going to yeah. be bashing on a kit, they're going to at least notice and they, they probably going to make some judgment in their head. Yeah. And like, and I guess deep down, I know generally if you work in a drum shop, you're probably shit hot more yeah. often than not, maybe not necessarily all the time, but like, yeah, but generally yeah. I know, I completely know how you feel and. And just like, I wouldn't feel confident trying a symbol out like properly, like the way I'd like to hit the symbol, because I'm like, oh, I haven't bought it yet. It's going to mark. And yes. Like I, I've always been a bit weird with our symbols. With I'm like. Well, um, I think
0: that's like a similarity between our yeah.
2: personalities, because I almost
0: feel like, um, it's like if, if you, you lent me a symbol. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I wouldn't, I would never be able to play that symbol. The way like you want to play it. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd be like, oh, shit, you know, this is Dane stuff um and they, and they show yeah. it's a respect in it it's There's like a respect proper, it's respect yeah but there's a lot of youngsters now we're just getting a kit and go fuck them
2: yeah yeah, they are, <laughs> yeah they're yeah people like that but i guess we've, yeah. we've grown up we kind of respect our own gear and realize how much yeah. it costs and like we've broken countless symbols over the years about sim countless symbols over the years and you know you just you kind of appreciate how much money they are and if it's someone else like people have lent me symbols for studio work back in the day and I've always felt uh, I just like, what, what if I break it, crack it? Like, even if it's just a studio yeah. session or whatever, it might crack. It's quite possible. And then I'm 300 quid down. Just even though I could have used my own, but like someone wanted me to use these or these are better than mine and blah, 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 blah. But like, so like now, like, you know, I'm a big boy now. I've got my own stuff and, and um, I like to use my own stuff when possible because I'm responsible for it. And if it breaks, it breaks. It's no one else's fault. And yeah, no, you, they, they only have a you know on. they have a lifetime at some point, you know, they certain things only last as many times as you as you're gonna hit it, or as many drops on the floor, or temperature's are big things. So like touring is awful for gear, especially oh, like
0: that it's, it's a nightmare, man, especially a, like you know, whether your your gear's in a splitter or a truck or whatever, yeah, it's just yeah. like it's awful. You know, if you tour in the winter, that's a nightmare as well. Mm um you know especially if you're in a rush you get to a venue i know you score you set up the kit you sweat in yeah the symbols have got condensation on them because it's still cold yeah and then you got to do a sound check so you're in freezing cold metal like do you know what i mean yeah. so um but yeah drum drumsticks as well dean oh I, yeah yeah you've got new ones I, haven't you yeah well not a new brand right um I, I I have been hooked up. I know you have a different company. I've been hooked up with um nice. London Drums to Company.
2: Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Now, now play to Will and the guys there, The um they, I was always on a 5A. Um yeah. a light and then for you. yeah yeah, they are light. And then it's like what I noticed through COVID watching so many drum videos and speaking to other people about it. A few people like Andy James was on talking about plectrums and stuff on the Crowcast. And he was saying how he's changed plectrums because it's changed the way he plays and stuff. And then I thought there's so many drummers, including like um, my best mate, Shed. He's he's a great drummer. And he was like, why do you play five A's? And he's tech for me as he goes, why do you play five A's? And I'm like, I don't know. They just feel like they're loose and everything. He's like you should try a five B. So there's not much. There's not much in it, he said. But the weight and stuff will be a lot better for you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that's that is the difference with these. Really, I mean, they still got like my my signature with the I've got the little Welsh flag on yeah, it. I love and, that. That's brilliant. It, well, that for any drummer would understand this. This is why this podcast is so special for me. Because huh. um, you can't go on any other podcast and talk about a drumstick without people going. Why is he talking about a drumstick? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like yeah. I don't want to talk about a drumstick. But why these are special to me is I grew up using many sticks, like as all of us drummers have, and I used to love Vic Firth. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm not afraid to say that. I used to love Vic Firth. So I had this kind of based on a Vic Firth, um, just slightly longer, but the weight is still there now of a of a 5B. Um, but what I loved what Vic Firth used to do was they'd have the little American flag.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's um, true.
0: Yeah. So now you see the tip off, and then with Iron Maiden, when I I met Nick Nico McBrain, oh Christ, I don't know, I think it was like two thousand seven or something in a drum convention, and and like I'd spoken to Moose and I'd spoken to Ryan, and 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 Moose was saying, I want my drumsticks because obviously Moose was indoors. He was like, I want my next batch to have like what well, Nico's got. You got a little British flag. Oh I was yeah. Like, hey, I was like, "Oh my god!" And then, <coughs> I'm sorry, um, That's all right. I thought I'd go one step different again. So I've put the the little Welsh flag yeah. on there with obviously the crows and stuff like that. It's but class. Yeah. The transition between five A and five B is a game changer. It is. I find it much better. Much yeah, yeah. better.
2: Just for those um, kind of like just the backbeats and stuff because um, I use five bs <laughs> as well. But like it was a, probably yeah four years ago. I probably changed i was experimenting because when i used to work in a guitar shop i was always buying different sticks and trying different ones and um yeah i just kind of found like what like on average the 5b is a good standard kind of good weight for me and i'm sure they were there's probably more kind of interesting models that they do that would probably work as well but i just thought it did easy to get and um obviously when you when you're ordering them from the company you buy in bulk the new so i got loads of them (laughs) Somewhere.
0: yeah well you you're there with me i mean yeah. the other day they did send me out like in all fairness to them. that's why i can't fault them as endorsers um yeah. i open up my parcel and i'm thinking oh, i'll use my my next my next like batch brilliant thank you guys we'd already talked about um like i wanted to keep the welsh flag keep all my signature and the band kind of brand new logo yep. but then they've put the um their new like kind of winged logo on there which is slightly different um cool it's just a little bit different to their normal logo um but what I didn't expect was like as a parcel and I open it, there's, there's this new London drumstick company stick bag. Oh, nice. Which it's just those little touches, as you know, as a drummer, and you spend a lot of money and stuff with with various brands. Yeah, um, yeah. I just love that touch with them. It was that who were like, well, look, you know, stop using your whatever other brand stick bag. Start using ours because we, we're supplying you with the sticks. And I like yeah. that. That mutual thing that goes with it, like, and it's like a little rucksack. It's it's really nifty, like it's nice. just yet again something that makes you pop as a musician because you're like, Oh, that's that's brilliant, like
2: you know. Yeah, so gifts like that, it's great. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and then and then I'm with um hard case. Nice. Um uh which yet again, really honored to be with them. Family run business. Um bought their bought their cases since Since I can remember, to be honest, it was like since I could since I could afford them, should I say? Yes. um, It was the case of oh Christ, you know my soft cases are getting bashed about in our van, so I better get myself some hard cases. And I remember having the black black ones with the yellow straps. They were the they were the first ones. Yeah. um, They were colours now, they or multi colours and stuff. That's what I got, dude. I mean, what 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 was a beautiful touch because this like journey, this new journey or my second phase into music is all about family. Um, whether it be family as in my house and family with a band, I got the kids to pick the colors. So, one oh, picked,
1: awesome.
0: one picked purple, one picked red, and one picked dark blue. Um, so it's just something cooler That's when nice, I'm yeah. on the road. Yeah, when I'm on the road now, it's like all all my cases, like, um, they're all in those various colors. Um, and yet again, it's just something really cool. Yeah. They they kind of chose that, like, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, if anybody goes, Oh, you got you know, one of those funny colored cases of it. I'm like, yeah, but the kids chose it and it's yeah, cool. that's
2: nice. Um, it's kind of so like yeah, almost like have, having them on tour with him, Not quite, but really least no, it but makes yeah, you think th- about him. Yeah,
0: It's that, you know, even like talking about it now, is there's like a point of reference. Yeah, of course. A uh, point of reference to it. I mean, the same with the kit, but it's kind of like an antique finish, antique white finish. Yeah. Um, but I've already thought like of the next color kit. Uh, which, to be honest, is not far off the colour of your bass in the background. Oh, like yeah. That. So nobody out there bloody pinch that idea. But, no. um, yeah. <laughs> or actually, actually, it's going to be a bit more... T- t- the missus loves um, Tiffany. Like, she just likes Tiffany as in the brand Tiffany, like wow. not the singer. Um, oh, so miss- it's just more... Who What, what
2: woman doesn't?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so she made a joke one day saying, oh, you know, and I think I bought a... Well, obviously because i could afford it once i, I bought her, like tiffany sunglasses mm-hmm. so they're like her, her most favorite cool. thing um and i always said i said oh you know if i ever had the the, the time and the opportunity I, i'll get a tiffany color drum kit like uh-huh. so Class. and it, it just looked pretty rad as well because you start thinking of that as a drummer how to make your drum kit look more exciting than you like you know well, well definitely
2: so. yeah it's like it's i've kind of gone back now because I've been playing like a white kit for years, and I've always liked it. I, back in uh, the Straight Lines, I think, I bought my first white sparkle kit, and I always thought it looked wicked. Kind of influenced yeah. by Mickey D, who was in the Motorhead drummer. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember I had a poster of him on my wall. Like a, It was like a sonar, um, I guess. Yeah, it was a sonar poster with him behind this kit, big white sparkle. Kit sounds like oh, I I guess in my head it was just like that's what I like now, but yeah, it's re- I just bought a black kit first first black drum kit ever ever. Um it sounds amazing. I've used it for recording and it's incredible. But yeah, on stage it's gonna I guess not really stand out as much as my bright white sparkly kit did before. But I kind of thought it kind of might blend in a bit more on stage, and I just kind of thought, oh, new new album, new chapter. Let's get, I'll, I'll treat myself to a new drum kit. Get rid of another old one and um but yeah it's black it's just plain I, black I love,
0: that. I love that dude i mean when i was a kid my dad gave me a um when i was in the first band like after after moose and Al, i was in the band with shane yeah, my dad yeah. gave me a sparkly red premier kit which now i look back oh my god danis it'd be worth a bomb dude bob bob would love it like do you know what yeah. i mean um and I, and I had such a paddy because as I was starting to get more of a rocker and that, that thing came into me, I went, I don't want that kit. I want a black kit. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't even about like the make or anything. I went a snob. And if anything, my, um, my mum lover, cause she always like, always like, you know, I'll oh, let Ronnie, you know, it's his birthday coming up. So my dad sold his, cause it was only his spare kit. He was, he like sp- sold this little red sparkly kit, which I wish I could have to this day. Mm. Um, and they went out and got me like a Horner Lex black kit just because it was black. Yeah. Um, so I know what you mean. It's sometimes the color that attracts you. That's what I was going to ask you. So, when you like for me, I use Tama and yeah. like because I was close to going with Gretsch and DW as well. I was kind of talking to a guy. Um, so it was kind of close. I like Gretsch drums as well. And mm. uh, it was kind of close. But then the opportunity with Tama arose and I was nearly going to go with Tama back in the day. Um, so it was almost like a world coming round in 360. Yeah. The reason why I chose Tama was because Stuart Copeland, um I'd seen Dave Grohl playing him when I was younger. Um Lars, whether yeah. you like him as a drummer or not, it was just Tama was this strong like metal rock kit for me. Like no, definitely.
2: I, I I used to have a Tama kit. I don't know if you remember, I don't know was if I ever the, orange? the orangey one. It yeah. was like yellowy orange flame. Um, it was another, I can't remember what it was called. It's Tama Superstar, no rock rock superstar, I think it was Tama Superstar kit. I think we'll use an exclusive, um,
0: for anyone listening or whatever. So, Dane and I shared that kit somehow in TJ's back in about 2006, 2007. I ended uh, up playing your orange kit, yeah, yeah, and it was because of your orange kit. I then went and got a Tama kit. Oh, wow. And that that's what I did all the misconduct touring. And that's why, like, when I had the ma- magazine spreads back in the day with Drummer Mag and stuff, it, all my gig, um, you know, they do the gig rundown like what we've just done now. That was yeah. all, like, Tama. And that was influenced because I played your orange
2: one. Bloody I hell. went out yeah. and got a super... Um, superstar, what do huh. they call it? Super, I think it was a superstar. There was a rock yeah. star as well, they did, but I think I think I had a superstar. I
0: think, I think if I found the magazine back in the storage room, deep, 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 it would say like Tama, but mine was black. It was borrowed off a mate. He, um, I said, Oh, I played this Tama kit, and I remember playing your orange yeah. one, and it was just like, I want a, a really meaty, like, Rrr. and I said, Dave Grohl plays him, and yeah, yeah. And bloody Stuart Copeland. If you look at Stuart Copeland, he always plays Tama. And that's what, hence why I went down the Tama route. Mm. Um, and I was quite, quite adamant about being a Tama tama drummer then for a long time until like, I, I just bought this Gretsch kit and I I kind of liked that. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's really cool. Is that the same with Sona, Sona with you, Sona? Yeah, was it like Sona, Sona, yeah. yeah,
2: I think that, I think initially probably, um probably what drew, drew me to them. But the other thing was, was I did, Work experience in cranes in Cardiff when I was like 16. And I know I ended up working there later on, which is another story. But one of the I was only there for a week, and one of the days they had a delivery of sonar drums in. It was like sonar force drums. And similar to you when you were in school, I had to assemble the drum kit from they were all boxed up, and you had to put all the screws in, all the you know, I had to, had to assemble it. That was one of my jobs for the day. And I just kind of really like. don't want to say fell in love with it but i was just like i really like this and i i it was kind of before i ever had my own drum kit i never had my own drum kit and um we kind of had a house one like a family one and um and i was like i really like this and then a few weeks later then i kind of like it was like it was it was like a lower range intermediate one a few weeks later then i went back in and bought it that's amazing (laughs) because they give me like a little staff discount thing and and um. And then that was my kind of said, I had a blue, I don't know if it was a blue kit. I don't know if whoever played with me was said, Mike, I don't think you did around then. It might have been before. It was like a blue, natural blue finish kit, Sona Force 2001. And I played that for years. Then I got the Tama kit. Yeah. Because I want, because the, the Sona kit was fusion sizes. It was small toms. And I wanted a bigger floor tom. Then I bought the Sa- Tama kit. And I used that for a couple of years, which would have been that time. And then... I kind of, I never found like I could tune that kit as well as I wanted to. At the time, back then, I didn't know how to tune a drum kit, to be honest. I was just blagging it. I am a lot better now, nowadays. <laughs> I know what you mean. But, like, I know I, you mean but then I ended up going back to the Sonar kit, and I was gigging now. then. I kind of, I just preferred the way it sounded. And everyone used to say, oh, that kit sounds lush. And the sound guys used to say it sounded really good, and like, it, like it wasn't expensive. And then the band straight line started and then I I kind of invested a little bit then into the, into the white sparkle kit, which I was kind of been using for years and years. I kind of sold that to buy high, like when I got a job, then I had a bit more money. I I bought a few high end sonar kits, which were all amazing, but I was too scared to gig them (laughs) because I was still playing at that lower, lower level when I was sharing drum kits. I was like, I don't want to take a two, two and a half grand kit to play in a club and have four bands use yeah. it before me. I was like, I can't do it. And yeah. then they're all amazing kits and I recorded some cool albums with them. And then I ended up buying my white sparkle kit back. And then I kind of bought extra bits. I bought a 24 inch, uh, uh, kick drum. So that's what I've been using on the road for the last few years with the bastards. And then like one of the floor toms is from my original kit, I think. And then the other floor Tom was from, I bought another three piece of the same finish, yeah, someone in Caffili was selling it. It was quite affordable. I'm like, oh, I love that because it matched my kit. So I like got that white sparkle kit. I've got like three bass drums. I probably got over like, four floor toms. <laughs> I got a two ten 10-inch, no, I got a ten inch tom. I got a twelve inch tom, a thirteen inch tom, and then I had a fourteen inch tom which I had refinished from a black one, but it didn't turn out very well. It didn't quite match, so I kind of got that. And it's just random, but I did gig that for years. the 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 fourteen inch rack tom that you mentioned earlier, I was gigging it for like a year or so. It just didn't quite match the color of the rest of the kit. And it always bothered me. Um, but yeah, so I've kind of kind of like, like you, I can make whatever kind of kit I want out of these. I can make a double bass drum kit if I wanted. I can do any combination of Toms, you know, and um, I've lost you now. I think have I lost you? I don't know. If yeah, you I still think lit. you're just
0: frozen by them. Oh, you froze oh there you sorry. are. You're back oh, in the room
2: now. But anyway, any, anyways, um, yeah so that it was kind of for that reason so i could have lots of options but um yeah so and i kind of just, at the end of the day i think they're really good they've got they've got this thing built into the lugs that called tune safe that reduces the amount that they can detune themselves so like for touring honestly i'll play a full set on them put them away get them out the next day bish bash boss they pretty much sound exactly the same i don't even touch them i don't even have to retune the snare or anything they're brilliant they're they're really good so yeah it's kind of like no-brainer they are expensive you know compared to some other brands like if you match one of their high-end kits with like a yamaha or Tama, i think they are a little bit more money which is a shame um but i think like like some of the high-end stuff stuff's amazing as well i think all all the brands do amazing drums then at the end of the day i think that's the reason why they're so big and popular. at The end of the day, yeah. I think so, like
0: Tama just brought out a star walnut like around the same time. A lush, and, yeah, and yeah. They got that. Um, but it was just genuinely like. Um, obviously, I wanted to get on the roster and stuff like that as well. So it was the case of would I have to kind of wait for the new kit to come back? The bands, not exactly. We weren't sitting on our hands, or so yeah. it, it was more like that was that was the the, the top of the range. That I could have at that time rather than the kind of process of waiting for the right setup of a, yeah, of of whatever. But I might look at the walnut, or I might look at another, uh, another one. It just always interests me, like what, you know, like, like, you know, with you, with you invested in that make, or what, what actually sets us off to choose these? Yeah, uh, it's it's strange. um, I
2: definitely think seeing other drummers play them is a big thing. Um, Yeah. But likewise, having the experience of playing them yourself. And, you know, back in the day, we used to do so many gigs and you'd, you'd either be sharing your kit with other drummers yeah, or yeah. you'll be playing on someone else's drum kit. And so over the years, I played so many different brands and models. So I guess I built up quite a lot of playing experience from then. You kind of learn what you liked or what you didn't like. But, you know, a lot of it's down to tuning. And it's nice to know the, so- the hardware is solid. That's important for me solid, solid as a rock hardware. Um, but yeah I think yeah Mickey D was big influence and then just knowing like Phil Rudd plays yeah. um, Danny Carey from Tool and like if you think of like big bands like I get you know all big bands will use different brands but like you just know that if that guy's using them they gotta be pretty good but yeah and I just kind of got the uh, the contact with them back when I was in Straight Lines really and just stuck with them ever since really and um I, no, I, love I don't that. see it why just... I would I don't think I would ever move to anyone else unless no, unless I... someone was going to say I'll pay you 20 grand a year to use my drums then I would have to consider it but
0: yeah
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> which, yeah,
2: yeah. which obviously hasn't happened but um that would be the only thing that would ever stop me from using them because I get on with them and that's pretty much it
0: yeah, and I love how, like, technology's moving with how they're making them and stuff. And like like you said, to how, like, we used to use them when we were younger, um, it's, it's just, like, a completely different kit. Like, I have to yeah. tell anybody yeah. if they've helped me do that, especially if they're not a drummer. It, that's got, like, quick release. Um, so it's, like, a little catch that says lock. So you just – everything's just there. So nice. You just put the cool. on. But cool. even just little things like that, I was like, oh, wow. So there's, like, a, another little part of it then that you don't you don't touch that. You leave that alone. But yet you'll get other people who will take that off. Do you know what I mean? Probably, so it's yeah, like yeah. it's little geeky stuff. There, it's just how drums have come on, and mm. um, you know what I mean. It's yeah, like I, that's why I'm happy with 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 Tama because they just. They do everything that I need them to do. It just always intrigues me why the drummers choose, yeah. or why are they playing that certain kit at the moment, or you know what I mean? Why do why do we why do we stick to certain brands
2: sometimes? Do you know what I mean? It's a um... it strange, weird thing. Yeah, I think it's a, a lot like one thing when you talk about sticking with certain brands with like symbols. I've never really I have done in the past, but I never really like mixing and matching brands. And that's I think it's yeah. just OCD. And I think a lot of drummers have OCD. I think that's one thing. <laughs> And like, when, when yeah. you say like, when people try and help you put your drum kit away, I know a lot of drummers are like, no, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself because they don't want anyone yeah. to like do it wrong or put it, you know, to to fold the cymbal stand down, there's infinite, infinite different ways that you can do that. And if yeah. someone does it differently, yeah, I can, like, I think it's just a thing I've learned over the years speaking to drummers that a lot of really? us have got OCD.
0: It's your drums in it. I mean, I was fortunate enough that you know things are going great with the band now. And I, I like I said to you earlier, I had a a couple of friends help tech, um, which which was brilliant. I never had that in the past. Yeah. Um, but even that was like um it was hard. One of them was Brill, because obviously, like I said before, um, Shed has known me since I was, I don't know, 16. So he's kind of developed with me as a drummer and he knows like how I like my drums. Um, so if anyone could be a full time tech, it would be him. But then we had other people helping, and and it, it just be you. You almost got to teach them how you do it. But then you're you're over their shoulder looking, especially like you said, like the the value of these kits now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You know they they they're not a couple of hundred anymore. You're talking thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah. Um. And then it is hard work. Like like when I said about that point of no return to her earlier. Obviously the manager and the agent at that time that we had didn't really think about like the stages at some of the venues they chose. Like the one in Bristol was bonkers. So I've got my drums. Shane's got a piano. Um, and we, we built like a proper pub piano around, around the keyboard, like, you know, the breaks nice. down. Yeah. So it's almost like a set then. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, what I'm saying by you is then the other two drummers are going, well, where, where's my kit going to go? And I'm like, uh, in front of mine on that little bit of space for there and you feel bad as a drummer and I hate that but at the same point at the same point I'm like dude if I lay you now I'm going to have to lay the other drummer and that means the two of you now are using my kit every night which is wear and tear on on my kit, and it and it, it does go back from what you're saying. It's a bit different to the couple of hundred pound kits that you would have yeah, had back yeah. in the day. To now you've got proper gear because you've got yourself in that position to to be mm. a professional band with yeah. very good expensive gear. And then it's hard when there's other drummers then who are like the early days of me who are going, "Fucking hell, he's he's a bit of a diva, isn't he?" <laughs> Yeah, oh, I I know, I know. Do you know what I mean? I feel bad with that sometimes. Or the worst ones is when the stage is big and you've had that luxury. And I bet there's loads of drummers who who might know what what we're on about by years when we've had that stage. And it's your moment, dude, where you've done the sound check with the bastards. I've done it with the crows. And you're like, sweet. Are you happy? Brilliant. And you go to start taking your kit down and your tour manager, no, 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 no. You leave all your kit there tonight.
2: Ah, yes. I know it is. Brilliant.
0: Did no want fucking with my kit. That's yeah, brilliant.
2: It is nice, uh, isn't it?
0: And then you pass that drummer. And nine you know, out of the ten, you know him as well. And that's the yeah. way like, you're going, um, do you want me to help me with your kit off. And you're like, um
2: uh, uh ask, ask, ask a stage manager, man. That's <laughs> what I always have my our tech always kind of deals with that. or we yeah. we always make sure it is in advance that like yeah, but then there are some venues or some stages where there literally isn't enough room for a drum kit to go in front and we have to move it. But yeah. then you've just got to hope there's some way to story. And that, like, we will do that if we have to, we don't mind moving it, but, um, there's no point going, do, doing all the sound check and getting everything perfect for then two other drummers to use that kit. The toms might detune a little bit or whatever. Yeah. Positioning is going to be all wrong. And then, it's kind of defeats the object of doing the sound check sometimes, but some sometimes you have to kind of give a little bit of flexibility. You need to make sure that the support bands are able to play. So yeah, um, there are yeah there has, there has been situations.
0: It's 50-50 for me. Yeah. And and this is quite a this is quite a mad way to say it. So I've been in positions where you shouldn't have a second drum kit on the stage. Yeah. You shouldn't, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah but then I have the ethics of a professional and uh, a youngster growing into an adult and realizing it's not about me. I'm lucky to be on this tour. Um, I'm going to get a lot from this tour as in like experience. And I'm going to get a lot, like if fans like us, they're going to buy our record. Um, So then I just kind of, my attitude is, is not to create any problems if you're giving me that tiny little space for there, I'll I'll downsize my kit. I'll do whatever I need to do.
2: Yeah. That's a good point. Um,
0: yeah. And, and that's, that's like, that's just how I've been. Now there might be loads of drummers who, who listen to this or watch and disagree. And, and, and I, I agree. There's no right or wrong. It's just how I, how I've always looked at it. My job as a support act um, is to to make as less trouble as possible for the headline band because what you want is their headline tour to go as best as it can for them. They've worked their way up the ladder for that. Yeah, they, they don't need this, you know, band coming in. Oh well, I need an extra three foot, or I need this, and and then it just creates issues. Like so, I was Definitely, I was never yeah. really like. I would have been verbal 15 years ago or whatever it would have been, but then I would have got me in trouble. But then I've just learned now to keep my mouth shut and just go, actually, they're paying, the public are paying to go and watch them. So, yeah. like, for example, if we were supporting you or whatever, it would just be the case of you. You might go, are, are you all right? But then I'd be like, Fine. I might not be, but it's just the case. You say you are. <laughs> I, I just say I am because at the end yeah. of the day, like you said, they don't realize, and this is the lack of knowledge of some drummers, for you to move your kit means the mics are never going to be the same. Your brother will say no. that on any sound. Yeah. They'll never be the same. Yeah, they kept the the, the, the fucking the, 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 the sounds, but they're never going to put them back in the identical spots. Yeah. Um, nine out of ten, that band are trying to do a show. So they could have like kicked over or done whatever they have on the stage. So it's just easier to leave everything where it is. Yeah. And then you just utilize what you're left with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember one gig I I was supporting Stonebroken and they wouldn't mind me saying this, but like the stage in, in the voodoo in, in, in Ireland was just, it was tiny dude. It was like, but I got my, my drums on there. didn't make it an issue for Robin. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We had to get the drum and the other band in all fairness, the first band on. And then carry it through a over jam-packed crowd down a fire exit into this. It was just
2: insane. Like yeah. but that's part of it. Do you know what I mean? Unfortunately, so, yeah, yeah. We've all the thing is we've all done it at, at the lower level. Yeah, that's what we say sometimes, well, I've been in that situation, or I've supported someone in this this venue, exact venue before, and that's what I do. Unfortunately, then I have to take it out in the rain and put it away, which is horrible. But that's uh, sometimes. What you have to do, yeah, that's, that's the what the venue that's that the that is the worst. That's the worst one. That is that's that the, is worst, the very, worst. at least have a corridor yeah. or something or fire. Yeah, there has
0: to be many drummers who've had that walk of shame with your drum kit getting sopping it's and horrible. you're sweating trying to strip it down. And the worst thing is, the faster
2: you go, in the slower the pro- process is, yeah, you're dropping uh, bloody uh, ring nuts all over the radio yeah. pedal floor. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I know it is horrible, and I, I hate venues that make you do that. But sometimes it's just it's like there's no way there's no way for you to do it that's safe because of the fire exit. So you have to do it outside because there's no like backstage. It's storage, it's what has know. to
0: be done. I mean, go, I, would, yeah. I always compare it, and it probably kind of sums this this episode up. I always compare it <laughs> to we did a, 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 a an early on show with the Crows, and I went to go and get changed in Phil. And right. I went up. I went upstairs into the toilet uh, because the backstage part of Fool, as you know, when you put gear in there, there was multiple bands or too many bands on that night there was. Yeah. Um, so you couldn't use the backstage part. So we had to go upstairs. And I'm just about to go on and I like to play in shorts and, and I wear socks. A lot of drummers wear trainers. I wear socks. Sometimes I go barefoot, but most of the time socks. Oh, wow. Okay. So I whip off my, my trousers or my tracksuit bottoms and I'm putting on the old gig shorts and I'm putting on the top. I put my socks on. As I put my foot down, straight in piss. Oh. Um, oh. And it was at that moment, you're there (laughs) going, what the fuck am I doing? Like, do you know (laughs) what I mean? Because you're just like... You're just about to go on stage. You've got, you've got your foot in piss. Um, but then we went on stage. The fuel was rammed. The crowd is singing your songs back. And you realise this is what made this part of the journey so perfect. It was like, that's what it's all about. It's yeah. about, the, it's about that roll. story that I could tell you, rock and roll, um, foot in piss. The fans didn't know later on i go on stage Um you know, and all that's going in your head, fucking stepped in, uh, we're not getting paid for it. Uh. Yeah. And then you, you kick off that one, two, three, four, the band kick in and the crowd
2: go crazy. And it's all forgotten, dude. You forget about
1: so, it. Yeah. That's it
2: Class. That's been so good. And, um, obviously this has been, it's gone on fairly long. So let's quickly do, um, I'm introducing a new quick fire round. So I'm going to oh, cool. Yeah. Something I thought I'd add. And, um, they're Not that interesting, but it gets people to know you that you know quickly about things. So, um, I'll just hit them out and you just reply as soon as you can. You know how it goes. Well, so it's right, hot or cold weather, hot day or night time, night, sweet or savory, a bit of both. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, savory, all right, to. guitar savory. or bass.
0: Oh you bugger.
2: Um oh, guitar. Sorry, okay. Lloyd. <laughs> That's all right. No, not about personalities, yeah? People. I know. Um nylon or wooden tip drumsticks? Wooden tip. Yeah, same. John Bonham or Neil Peart? Oh, Dane, what are you doing to me? Um Tough. Bonham. Oh. Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Beatles. Dark or milk chocolate? Milk chocolate. Red or white wine? Red oh majority red, yes. Yeah. Less
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Odd one favorite time signature to play? 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I,
0: don't, I don't understand a lot of them. I just yeah. play drums. That's I just right. play drums. It sounds yeah. great. It's brilliant. Some people tell me that's a six over whatever, and I'm like, brilliant. It's, it's yeah, it it's just like. Is yeah i almost sing drums so if it goes with a melody line i i'm a bit ignorant there and i apologize to any professional drummer watching this who knows every rudiment and um i kind of just play play for the song well right, exactly that, that's
2: that's the thing with like is this is what that's what i'm about i'm not like a technically proficient drummer i don't know all the rudiments like i never really studied no. them i will i kind of say i would like to um so i'm sure they would help i'm sure they would help and um but I know how to play in a rock band, I think. I'd yeah. i like to know that I think I can do that and um, help kind of play drums around a song. So yeah, it's kind of why I made this really because the internet's full of people showing off. Yeah. Um, so this is a place where drummers who don't show off or don't want to show off all the time can have a chat and uh, talk about playing. So um, yeah, thank you. Right, last thing now, which I ask everyone, so you'll be familiar because you've listened to this podcast before. You've got to come up with your dream band with yourself on drums, not including members of those damn crows. And then the, they can be dead or alive. Dead or alive? Dead or alive. Okay. It would be, so it's me on
0: drums. Um, Bass player, I would probably go for, uh, Duff McKagan. Oh, class. Very um, cool. just because I I just love his his vibe. He's, he's still got that punk rock, which I kind of grew up with. Yeah. But then obviously the the rock side of him as well. Um, so it'd be Duff on Duff on bass, um, on rhythm guitar would be Dave Grohl. Class. Um, so at least he can get in a bit of cheeky vocals. Yeah. Um, on lead guitar would be. Oh, God. Oh, good God. Um, probably.
2: Oh, lead vocalist would be Freddie Mercury. Oh, class. He's come up loads. He's come up yeah. about five or
0: six times so far. I, I got that one nailed down. That would definitely be Freddie. Freddie be the front man with Dave backing him up. Nice. Um, On a rhythm guitar. Who's going to have that second guitar slot? Oh, good God. Um, Andy Summers.
2: Um, Who's Oh, right. Oh, class. Sorry. Apologies to any police fans. He's the one I don't know the name of. (laughs) Andy Summers. Andy
0: Summers on guitar. Um, Brilliant. And the reason why, like, because some people might go, oh, why didn't you go? Because obviously if I got Sting going on there on bass, I've got a wicked bit of a vocal... Come instrument vibe, but there's just too many egos going on there. See, so I gotta, I gotta watch those egos. So you gotta think um, back,
2: practical gems now.
0: Yeah, you gotta, you know, if this gotta work, this band now, and we gotta, you know, we gotta go and play. We gotta play fool next week, um, and we gotta start out career selling merch. Um, it would definitely have to be Duff McKagan on bass because he would be, he'd be my right damn man. But they keeping everybody grounded. Dave, yeah. obviously, Dave would, Dave would be a pleaser. Great song right um, bit of gruff as well. And um, Freddie would be the maestro. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, yeah, I think... Um, Brilliant. I think he would serve well, Andy Summers, because like you said, he's not like a, a popular guitarist. He's not a slash or... Actually, I'm going to swap him. Andy got sick. Um, I'm going to go <sighs> for Miles. I'm going to go for Miles Kennedy. On lead yes. guitar? Yeah. Well, not so much lead. It but don't have to guitar. be lead. Yeah, it don't have to be yeah. lead, Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking that because oh, I could have voc- kinda gone.
2: The vocals would be incredible.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm all about, with there, I think that's that's what that band needs, like you know. So yeah, oh. there's the the grunt, the grunt of, of McKagan. There we are, Duff McKagan on bass. Um, yeah, Miles, Miles Kennedy on on one guitar, Dave Grohl on the other, and then Freddie Front in it.
2: <sighs> that's hell of a band. Hell of a band. That's, all right, isn't it?
0: that's pretty that's all right. good. And if I if I got enough budget, I'd have Elton John on keyboard. There we go. <laughs>
2: He's a few uh a <laughs> couple of quid for him i would imagine but uh, that's that's great man great dude that's class um oh, yeah so brilliant. just thanks for agreeing to do it i know you know we've talked about getting you on and um
0: yeah thanks Put, for having me on but big big fan of what you're doing um
2: Same here, I think man. any
0: anybody doing anything in this climate deserves a partner back and um it's great, like I said, the more people you're talking to, you get the stories out of them, you see what they they're up to, how they're doing mentally yeah Um, and just how we, how we can how we can all come out of this strange world at the moment, but meet up somewhere and and talk about it. This is history dude, isn't it? That's, I know
2: that's the, that's the cool thing like: absolutely, you know. Nuts. And uh, yeah, one day we'll hopefully be able to share share a beverage or two. Oh, I can't wait for that! I, know. I can't wait for that.
0: I've already said about like your your brother was on about cheese, and oh, and yeah, yeah, beer. yeah. So I'm gonna hold him to that. Plus, he's a Welsh football fan as well. So I didn't realize how much, honestly, I didn't realize how much I got in common with all of you, to be honest. Where yeah, your like brother's a, lot. a massive footy fan, I go and watch every Welsh game I can, yeah. Um, so does and he, then, yeah. like. The wrestling, obviously you and your brother as well, yet again with the wrestling. Um, so yeah, man, it there, there definitely be more of us in the future hooking up and I think a lot more people in the future, Dane, including yourself, will make that effort because um hopefully we'll never ever have to be in this predicament again where we we, we just haven't got that option, bro. Do you know no, what I mean? Yeah. I can't I can't say to you now. Thanks for having me on. Great, great, great interview. Do you want to go for a beer or curry? We, we we can't do it can so yeah. strange to be able to say that um yeah. and the fact that you're in one part of wales now i'm in the other where in the real world we probably just hook up um and do it in the same room yeah um it's <laughs> bizarre isn't it like do you know what i mean it's like where are you from i'm live from la <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: it's, like it's crazy everyone's like, from a different place now it's mad like <laughs> it is mad and um I guess that's the one good thing that this exists, to, allows it to happen. But what was crazy when I did the episode with Gordon from Raging Speedo, and he literally lives down the road.
0: <laughs> Here we, it, go. I
2: Here like, we I, go. I was can't, like, we can't technically do it in my house or your house. So no, we're going to have to go with this. <laughs> so it was crazy. Literally five minutes. I could walk to his house in well, a 10 minute walk away, I think. That's how close he lives to me it's no. bonkers
0: i think if you know obviously we should have all bought shares in zoom
2: yeah um, i know
0: we'd, we'd definitely be uh they must be rigging it in because yeah. like you know family get-togethers or um pub quizzes whatever it's, it seems to be the yeah, the new yeah. way at the moment but it's just important everybody keeps in touch and yeah anything, anything we can ever do for you guys i know it's mutual as well um we're we're always you, like you know and that's why you do the crowd that's why we do the crow cast dude a lot of people say why aren't we charging for it because we don't um we the only reason we're not at the moment it's almost like we need it as well we Mm. you know when you said it's a love yeah it is a lot of work but i i kind of need that at the moment and and i i think it's great to connect with everybody every week um just makes me feel i haven't lost touch of this kind of dream and and everything that's going on like you know so and it's Brilliant. beautiful to hear the stories the same as you do now off, off us drummers and etc and and just know like
2: you know you're not on your own like that's the that's the mad thing so exactly yeah no awesome man and um well i'm glad you're doing all right then I'll, I'll try and keep up to date with the, the crow casts and um when we're definitely available and allowed we will definitely go Let's just go for a curry. Let's organise a curry. Let's go for a curry. curry and a few beers. Be, uh, be I love
0: that. Bert. And we can talk about the old days and hopefully what the hell is ahead of us all. Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. I can't wait. Like, Yeah. And fingers crossed, bro. I see you in a festival in the summer. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's
2: pray for that. That'll That'll, be, yeah, uh,
0: that's a beautiful
2: moment. That would be. Oh, that would be class. That would be amazing. So, yeah, let's hope the, the COVID gods, whoever you are, just uh, kind of back away now. Leave us alone. let's let's, let's end on that nice one Ronnie that's class enjoy the rest of your evening and um, thanks for listening everybody cheers
1: thank you